Welcome, folks, to Excuse Me History. I am your host, Joe Barton, doing a little solo introduction today. Uh, Unfortunately, Rob couldn't be here for the intro, but good news, Rob is back. Deployment is over. Mission accomplished, uh, which is great news for us because we'll be able to put out episodes in the future in a more timely manner. Do apologize in the delay in this one coming out. I know hundreds and thousands of you have been clamoring for it. Where's episode three? Well, here it is. Do you think it is worth the wait? We're covering uh, an interesting topic, something that's near and dear to my heart. Uh, We're talking about Jamestown, the first permanent English settlement in North America uh, and the history of the first 20-odd years of the colony, roughly speaking. And yeah, I'm not going to spoil any of it. It's all in the episode. You're going to love it. Before we get there, though, uh, we'll mention a few things. First off, if you like this podcast, please remember to subscribe. Hit that old subscribe button, because if you want to know the second an episode comes out, that's the way you do that. Also, make sure you rate this, the podcast. Give us a nice five stars because that helps us out. People will see that and they'll be like, hey, that's a five-star podcast. I want to listen to that one. Also, if you have any kind of feedback for us, we want to hear it. We want to know how to improve this podcast, make it better for you guys. So if you have questions, comments, suggestions, anything, uh, if you have topics you want us to cover in the future, uh, if you have corrections for us, we are wrong about something, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Email us at excusemehistory at gmail.com. That is excusemehistory at gmail.com. You definitely want to email us today. A little incentive. Uh, we're running a little contest. The first three people to email us will receive a free t-shirt. That's right. You heard me free t-shirt. What kind of t-shirt? It's our podcast logo. That samurai guy on the llama, you could have that on your body. And then all your friends will be like, hey, where'd you get that cool t-shirt? And you can be like, I got it from Excuse Me History. And without any further ado, here is the episode. Thank you guys for listening to Excuse Me History. Today, uh, we're going to be talking uh, about the the Jamestown colony or the Jamestown settlement, the first permanent English settlement in the New World, and uh, we're going to talk about the, the about the early history of the colony, primarily from 1607 up to about 1625. I think that's after that point. There's some kind of changes that uh, kind of marks a different period, but the early history of the colony, I think, is probably the most interesting, and uh, it's. The most well-known figures, kind of the John Smiths and the Pocahontases are in this era. But we'll kind of be trying to uh, go through, maybe debunk some of the myths of Jamestown. And All right, don't worry about any of that boring shit. Let okay. me tell you exactly we're, how we're, Jamestown we're, happened. How, how did Jamestown happen? All right, so Jamestown, so there's only two dudes involved, John <laughs> Smith and... Radcliffe, right? These two guys, and uh, Radcliffe was pompous. Yeah, John Smith was good looking and handsome, and everybody loved him. No one had any quarrels. They came over with a bunch of other nameless characters. They started Jamestown, and immediately John Smith falls in love with Pocahontas. Yep, there's about to be a fight, but then John Smith and Pocahontas's love settles it for everyone. Love conquers all, and love conquers all. Yeah. And so that was it. That was the whole story. And then that's and then America happened. Yeah. And now we're the number one. When did Pocahontas two happen? Was that sometime in between? Did they have a Pocahontas two? Yeah, it was a direct to VHS one. Did they really? Yeah. No fucking way. Yeah. Oh it's, my it's, god. It's, the, it's when she goes to England. That's what it's all about. Oh shit. Yeah. 
It's not. It, it was uh, not as good as <laughs> <laughs> Pocahontas was. Dude, all right. So, like, just the art direction in, like, Pocahontas. I'm like, you guys haven't been to Virginia. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, you're watching that movie. It's I like, mean, this is gorgeous. <laughs> so, uh, one thing. I'm My birthplace was about five miles from where this uh, this colony that's started. Why, that's why Joe Barton is so hard about James. I, I get very hard. I do. I will say, though, that, like, that's why I'm, like, when I when you pick this topic, I was, like, all right, Joe Barton just wants to talk about, like, something that he has a connection with, which I'm totally fine it's, with. It's my wheelhouse. But it's also, like, it is actually a great story. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, and that's what's interesting about it. It's, like, a, it is a decent. It, yeah, and it is very much, I mean, the, the foundation of America I mean, really, you can pretty easily trace the roots back to this place. But yeah, it is. If you watch the movie Pocahontas, it looks nothing like what this region of Virginia looks like. (laughs) There are no cliffs or waterfalls. The water is very brown and dirty. And uh, the trees are all like redwood size. Like, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah, whatever. What what is being shown in the movie Pocahontas is not an accurate portrayal, one might say. But yeah, so John Smith was loved by all, never committed a single crime, wouldn't hurt a single Indian, no Native American, Virginia yeah. Indians as well. We'll talk about that. Well, we'll talk about that. So we are gonna before we get to Jamestown because that's I mean Jamestown just didn't come from nowhere. They didn't. It wasn't just a bunch of guys one day say, "Hey, let's go, let's go over to old Virginia." So England was a little bit late in the colonization game. Behind uh, the clock. Behind the clock. Uh, they're you know they're a little smaller. Don't have as many resources as the Spanish have, but you know Spain and Portugal and even the French and the Dutch have started colonizing parts of the New World. And I mean Spain has been there since 1492 or whatever. What's colonization all about? Like why? Like why? Like why? You know? Like you got? Because I actually think about like population size mm-hmm. in like countries compared to like today. It's like how many people were in England at that time? And it's like nothing compared to like today. It's like like all those people live in like a suburb of yeah, like London. The, the, yeah, London's population is approximately what England's population was. Then. Exactly. So it's like, well, like, what do you guys need? Like, what do you guys, like, you guys don't have enough land? What like, what is it? So I have some explanations. But Joe, what do you, what's the reason colonization is a thing? Well, the primary reasons, I mean, I, I think what they what they were what we were taught in school, at least what I remember was at least for the Spanish, it was three reasons: it was gold, glory, and God. So it was they want to find riches, and they think that I mean, gold is a commodity that's not very uh, available in Europe. Thirty seconds on the clock. Thirty seconds on the clock. And so they're trying to. Uh, I mean, they want resources. I mean, gold resource, any kind of natural resources, particularly in England, where uh, you know it is a small island and there is kind of a lack of natural resources that are of value. So they're that's partially one of the reasons. They're also trying to get personal glory. You is know. it a dick measuring contest? It's definitely a dick measuring contest. There you go. And then also they're trying to spread the word of God throughout. Hell yeah, Jesus. Jesus and whatnot. Uh, clock is done. Tangent clock. Back to the... Oh boy, oh boy, we're back. So the Spanish have been colonizing mostly South and Central America. And by the, you know, the 1500s, you know, they're going to start moving further North. We're going to talk about a guy named Giovanni de Verrazano. Yeah. Not a Spanish name, an Italian name. Italian. Italian explorer Giovanni. Hey, I'm looking for... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, looking for uh, I'm looking for the new world. I'm looking for uh, the new world so I can make a ravioli in New Jersey. I make a spaghetti. Yeah. A spicy I was, meatball. I also, have a, I also uh, I'm going to design a bridge, and then it's going to charge uh, people $22 just to cross into fucking Staten Island that no one cares about. I got to pay $20 to <laughs> go to this shit island? 
Or is it the other way in Brooklyn? It's probably the other way. I can't remember. But uh, yes, the Verrazano Bridge today connects Staten Island, Brooklyn. It is the longest suspension bridge in the United States. Wow. So Giovanni de Verrazano, Italian explorer, he's actually being employed by the French. He's exploring the east coast of what is now the United States. Is being like an explorer back then, like being a stand-up comedian, it's like just everyone's trying to do it? Or is it like uh, who's... Because it seems like the cool thing to be doing at the time. It's like being a chef now, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, access to ships weren't... I mean, there are a lot of mic, open mics today, so... Yeah, okay. <laughs> Not as many... Sh- sh- well, you start off at like on like a... What's it called? Like a like a dinghy? Like what's the what's the a boat dinghy. that goes in? Like a, yeah, what it's are those? a dinghy. Nah, nah, well, so uh, uh, a boat can go on a ship, but a ship can't go on a boat. Mm. So you got a little small boat, progress your, progress, your, <laughs> yeah. progress your way up the ship. <laughs> so What's that called, though, the boats that like they sent in to the water? It's not a dinghy. What do you mean into the water? Like like you send a boat to shore. Like you don't uh, you don't drive your your you don't drive the. You just call it a boat. The rising sun. They have a co- they have different names. A shallop, maybe. Yeah. So Verrazano, he makes a couple of really important discoveries. He's the first European explorer to find what is uh, called the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Outer Banks. I go there for donuts. I go there to get sunburn, and I go there to. Caroline dumped me in that. Not dumped me, but like she. Oh wow. She didn't. I was like, hey, didn't like, return the, your your love. Yeah. <laughs> That's uh. It's. Sad I'm going to edit that name out. Later. I was going to say, I was surprised <laughs> you said the name. No, we should keep it in. Uh, no, I uh, I used to go to the Outer Banks as a child. They got a lot of putt-putt golf courses down there. Oh, yeah? Like every town has a putt-putt did golf he just, course. Did, were, were they there when <laughs> Verrazano got there? Yeah, they, they were there. They, it was, putt-putt <laughs> golf was a uh, Native American And then invention. right on the other side of the putt-putt golf course, there was the Pacific Ocean. Right. So Verrazano, yeah, when he's taking it back to, <laughs> to the plot line. When he when he finds the Outer Banks of North Carolina, he sees on the other side more water. He might think, well, what is this body of water? Well, Verrazano thinks it's the Pacific Ocean or probably what they would have called the South Sea. What it actually is, it's just the, the Albemarle Sound, which is between the Outer Banks and the actual coast of North Carolina. You mean America isn't half a mile wide? No, it is uh, <laughs> a little longer. Right. I mean, it's basically they thought the Outer Banks was what Panama is, but... It is Panama. not. <laughs> so they they find the Outer Banks, and he doesn't actually go to the Outer Banks. He keeps going north, and he misses the Chesapeake Bay. Uh, he misses the Delaware Bay, but he does find the New York Bay or New York Harbor, and he finds the island of Manhattan. <laughs> they were like, what's that over there? And it's like New Jersey. They're like, it's nothing. No, look, let's keep, let's keep going. We don't need to explore further. <laughs> A bunch of like uh, greased up, tanned Indians <laughs> pumping their fists. <laughs> So Verrazano, he, um, yo, much respect. If you come here, you're going to get the fucking bow and arrow, though. Step on this beach, watch what happens, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect to Wahoo's son of cock, but you're going to Wahoo's son of this cock, okay? What I'm saying? All right, so they went to New York then. They went to New York. They're like, they, they, don't, they don't explore really any further, though, but he is the first European explorer to find what is now New York City. That's why the Verrazano Bridge is named after him. But anyways, he'll, they'll keep going. They'll, um... And they're also he'll also discover Narragansett Bay, and then he'll start heading. Great beer, Great, also very beautiful, very beautiful. I like. Yeah, they got a good. Uh, it's a good light beer. Thing. Good light beer. Good light beer. It's uh, we serve it at our restaurant, and whenever people are like, "Do you have Budweiser?" They're like, "No, but we have Narragansett." Oh, I can't talk shit about Budweiser because my grandfather, rest in peace, who died last year, You'll worked for Budweiser for forty five years, and he put food on our table, and we weren't allowed to bring Blue Moon to parties. Which, like, you know, who cares about Blue Moon anyway? 
But no orange slices in your beer. <laughs> Budweiser will not be blasphemed during this podcast. All right. So Verrazano, he goes heads back to Europe. But what what happens from this is they create a map based on his exploration. And this map, uh, if you look at it, will basically just look like the where North Carolina is. It looks like Panama. It's like this little thin little isthmus. And on the other side is the Pacific Ocean. And so because of that, people think this area of North America would be easily crossed and you can get over to the other side so you can go trade and get all the spices and silks from the the east so that's going to inspire a lot more exploration and when other people try to colonize that area they're going to specifically target that region around the outer banks and that'll come into come into factor a little bit with english so the next major thing that we're going to talk about is the first European contact that we know of with the the Indian tribes that are located in this region of Virginia where they will settle Jamestown. So the Spanish start exploring that region in the 1560s. And in 1561, the Spanish ship sails up the York River, probably, and they encounter uh, a couple Native American guys that are just chilling by the river. Yep. And then they're like, hey... We're Spain. You want to come back and see Spain? And they're like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. I imagine like that scene in Forrest Gump where like Jenny's like becoming a hippie and she's playing like a guitar Mm -hmm. and then like a bunch of like, like a like a van pulls up and they're like, you want to see California? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, sounds great. (laughs) (laughs) And she gets into heroin. She does. Is that what happens? None in this story. But I mean, you know, they, uh, well, I mean, the uh, tangent Mark, clock. What's happening with heroin? No, I'm just kidding. No, no ta- well, I was gonna say, <laughs> Marx did say that uh, religion was the opiate of the masses, and Ooh, they do introduce them to Catholicism. Marx. So one of the, one of the guys, they, they you get your fucking religious political <laughs> agenda out of here, Joe. Okay, this is a podcast about Bud Light and history. <laughs> Don't you fucking bring that. Venezuela's shit here, okay? Budweiser, damn it. Budweiser, the king of beers. So the Spanish, they take two of these native guys captive. One of them is, we don't know the name of one of them because he dies. The other guy is a guy named Pekakaneo, and he uh, will eventually... Nah, 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 but what's your real name? What's his real name? Well, come on, come on. <laughs> well, we're going to call him Don Luis. Don Luis, which is... Fucking a boss ass man. That's a good. I mean, not, not to disrespect Pekka Canale, but you know Don Luis is pretty dope. Don so, Luis gets pussy. Don Luis does get pussy. <laughs> I mean, when he walks up to the club, they open up that velvet rope. He just goes right in. <laughs> Bottle service. Don Luis. Don Luis. Fuck. He's a cool dude. So they take him. Um, actually, to, uh, they're gonna go to Mexico. They go down there. He goes back to Spain, and he gets sick for a little while, but he recovers from that. Eventually, he's gonna become. Uh, what does he not have like like immunization to like a ten thousand years of European diseases? Yeah, I mean, it's like they've been living in separate continents and have different illnesses and oh. infections that they have to deal with. Well, he survives, and eventually, he's baptized. Uh, he'll be uh, educated uh, in Catholicism and takes the name Don Luis. He's named after the viceroy of the uh, of New Spain, Don Luis de Velasco. And eventually, I mean, he just wants to go home. You know, he's a little homesick. Yeah. Wants to check out his family, see how they're doing. And after a, a several years of kind of mishaps and near chances, he eventually gets back in 1570. He convinces the Spanish to build a, a Jesuit mission in Virginia. That's not what they would have called it. But the Spanish would have called La Florida. La Florida. <laughs> so uh, they're like, hey, let's build this uh, mission near my hometown. And Spanish agree to do that. And in 1570, uh, they're going to 
build this uh, Catholic mission. And very quickly, this guy, Don Luis, goes back to his uh, his hometown. And uh, he's like, no, I'm done with you guys. And the Jesuit missionaries are like, hey, I thought you, guys, I thought you were on our side. And uh, while you know they're trying to convert the natives and Don Luis is like, these guys are bad news. And eventually they're going to kill them all. They wipe out all the mission except for one boy they take captive. And the following spring, the Spanish uh, send a ship up there to check out what's going on. And they see that all the uh, missionaries are dead and that all of the, the, the local people are wearing the Jesuits clothes. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Uh, Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> This, this this really is a crazy story though, and like um, I like like it, think about it like an alien. It's really that's really what it's like. It's like if an alien yeah. came down to Earth and they took one of us, what? and you were just like for eight years, you were like saw like this massively more advanced culture, yeah. and you're being gawked at, and people are like poking you with shit, and you're learning alienese. And all this shit. And then you're like, hey, like, this is all great, but I really would like to see my mom again. Yeah. yeah. But then they finally bring him back. And then they just, uh, they kill the aliens. We all kill the aliens. They're like, get out of here. Don't come back. Yeah. And I think that really the one part of this, the thing about this story I think is important is that when Jamestown is founded, it's not the first contact that they've had. They have met these people before. They know that they're bad news. And they the Indians will develop a really healthy uh, fear of the Spanish because of this. Because uh, yeah. when the Spanish come back, they will kill some of the native people. They try to they get the boy back and they try to get Don Luis, but they never find him again. He kind of disappears into the record. They don't give him up. So the Spanish abandon the area. And basically they had realized that there's no gold here. So they're, it, you know, this is not Spanish. Pick it up quick. Yeah. They're like, we don't need this place. Takes we English 10 years. <laughs> we, <laughs> we got plenty of stuff to worry about down south. We can move on. We have gold in Peru. <laughs> Peru. So <laughs> that's Spanish, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but anyway, so that was called the Exocan Mission. And that was founded pretty close to where James will end up being, uh, probably a little closer to the York River. It's right uh, by Newport News, where I first moved to when I left New Jersey. I moved to Newport News. Newport News. So, Cosby's Comedy Club, oldest running comedy club in the state of Virginia. Hell yeah. So, in the 1580s, that's when we start to see, that's about 10 years later, this is when we start to see the first attempts of the English to really colonize the New World. Before that point, you know, King Henry VIII wasn't really concerned about colonization. His daughter, Elizabeth, not really her thing either. But she will allow some guys to go attempt to build these colonies. And the first major one is, a, is an attempt in Newfoundland in the 1580s uh, by, a guy, by a guy named uh, Sir Humphrey Gilbert. Newfoundland had been really important because it was the probably the biggest fishing location in the world. Yeah. Um, and all these European nations were sending fishing vessels and the English will come to dominate that area. And they think that we can build a settlement off the coast of this great fishing bank. And they try, but basically they realize that the winters are really harsh here and there's not a lot of natural resources. So they kind of give it up quick, go back. And this guy, Gilbert, on the way back to England, dies. Uh, he get, they, A storm breaks out and his ship sinks. The next guy who will come along is his brother or half-brother, a guy named Sir Walter Raleigh. Raleigh uh, is kind of a favorite of Queen Elizabeth. They might have been fucking, don't know, but <laughs> that might have been possible. But he he gets the patent, and he's going to attempt to build a settlement, not in Newfoundland, but 
down uh, around the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Nice. Because uh, they think, one, hey, maybe we can find that passage to the South Sea. And two, Raleigh, he is a uh, he's a privateer, likes attacking the Spanish, trying to make some money, stealing some Spanish gold. Did they know about Don Luis and that he was from that area first? Like, You know, I don't know. That's okay. a good question. I, I'd, I'd be, I'd probably, I don't think so. Okay. But I, I, that's something... But I am like, I mean, I mean, he was the Spanish picked him up, so it was a different country. But at the same time, like, I'm always surprised about how much they kind of knew, even though like the spread of information seemed like must have been so much harder back then, like archaic compared to what we do now, where it's like something happens in the world and we know about it instantly. But yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely possible, but nothing that I read suggested that they knew about it. But I mean, and. Maybe that maybe they didn't know about Don Luis in particular, but they might have known about the mission itself. Eventually, found what's called uh, what will be known as the Roanoke Colony. We're not going to spend too much time on Roanoke because that's kind of a, like could be its own thing. But yep. Roanoke is known for being the lost colony. But that that colony is actually the third attempt at a settlement there. The first two are more or less uh, exploratory. Missions that don't really end up doing anything. They send show up. It's like not working. Let's go. Yeah, they're not show working. Up, not working. Let's go. Well, and one of the reasons why it's not working is because they start pissing off the natives. Uh, <laughs> and so the third time they attempt a settlement, they they send families. They're like one of the lessons they learned was if you send just a bunch of dudes with guns and no real purpose, it's not going to end up well. But if you send families, maybe they'll attempt to actually build something permanent there. And the real purpose of Roanoke was to give the English a privateering base for so they could attack the Spanish down in the Caribbean and the Spanish main. What they find is that it's not really a good location because the winds and the the ocean tides go the opposite direction. So it's not really a great place for that. But they will attempt this third settlement. And this this last one is led by a guy named John White. White had been on the, the first mission. And he's really interesting because he's one of the guys who he'll document a lot about the native people. He's going to lead this uh, this last colony. And very quickly when they get they in fact, when they were going to build this last colony, they were not going to settle in Roanoke, uh, on Roanoke Island. They were going to try to actually go into the Chesapeake region. But the guy who was sailing them there didn't want to go further. He drops them off on Roanoke Island and then leaves to go uh, privateering. And so very quickly they realize the situation has not improved. The native people still hate us. And John White decides to go back to England to get more, uh, you know, more supplies and more ships. By the time he gets back, which is, I think, three years later, the colony is gone. You'll <laughs> <laughs> be right back, right? I'll be right, yeah, yeah, I'll be right back. I'm just going to go, go back. Get some stuff. Get on another first ship back. I'm I'm coming. I'm yeah, coming. Yeah. Are you, you sure? And, <laughs> and then he's like, uh, he's at a brothel. He's like eating cashews. He's like laid out. He's like, what am I forgetting? <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! <laughs> My family. <laughs> His granddaughter Virginia Dare. She's actually the first uh, English person born in the she new world. She was against drugs. Yes. So that's good. John White will eventually get back and the colony is gone. The only thing they find uh, is on a tree, the word Croatoan written. And then another thing they see find this as also C.R.O. So they think that they've gone to the Croatoan tribe, which was a local Indian tribe. It's like, why leave any more instruction than that? (laughs) You know, your only your survival depends on it. Well, (laughs) I mean, have you ever tried to carve into a tree? It's it's pretty 
pretty hard. I mean, if fucking like Susie and Brian can do it under like <laughs> after they finger bang for the first time, <laughs> I'm sure like the <laughs> what if it was just like a heart inside England plus yeah, Croatoan. <laughs> and anyway, so uh, John White wants to go looking for them, but they never do because the there was a storm coming and the 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 ship that he had come on didn't want to go looking for them. So they go right back to England. And even on the way in, they had, they think there was a uh, smoke signals there. So there was a fire and they think that the English people were sending them smoke signals and they didn't even go to investigate that. So like, it's almost in like, it's, I 100% believe that these people were alive. They just didn't look for them. Yeah. And so... Raleigh didn't... Had a new family by then. Yeah. And Raleigh just... Yeah. Raleigh doesn't care. So John White goes back and then he's like trying to convince Raleigh like, hey, let's go back. And Raleigh's just like, no, I'm going to go to Ireland now. Raleigh's just like... <laughs> that's that's old news. That's old news. So Raleigh doesn't care about Roanoke anymore. John White will never see his family again. And then there's a couple years before there's any new attempt at colonization. And eventually there, I think there's a couple major things that happen. One is this guy named Sir Thomas Smith. Uh, he's going to be a big person uh, in this story. He buys the patent from uh, Raleigh to build colonies in the new world. Yep. And eventually you're going to start to see the formation of the Virginia company. We don't know exactly who had the idea to start this company, but Smith is one of the, the, kind of the founders. There's a couple other guys, um, John Popham, another guy named Fernando Gorges. And these guys collectively eventually will start forming this company. There's another guy named Bartholomew Gosnold, and he also had an idea to colonize the New World. He was an explorer. He had been uh, looking around the area of New England. Uh, he's the he's, guy. A, he's a leader, right? He's one of the leaders of this colony. Eventually, he's going to be... Uh, or what, when he does this expedition in New England, uh, he names Martha's Vineyard after his wife. Yeah. He also names Cape Cod after his dick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then he frames uh, Ted Kennedy. That's right. He went off that bridge. At Chapel. Chappaquiddick. Chappaquiddick. Yeah. So Bartholomew Gosnold, he's a cousin of Sir Thomas Smith, but he's also, you know, he's an explorer and he thinks that the new world, North America is a great place for colonization. So he's going to start moving and shaking, but he doesn't have a lot of money. Smith has a lot of money, though. He is a very important businessman. Smith has a lot of money. He's a very important merchant. His, he was a customs collector. Eventually, he'll become one of the founders of the Muscovy Company, which is trading to Russia. He's also one of the founders of the East India Company. Uh, mm -hmm. He's the first governor of that. And also another company called the Levant Company, which is trading down in Turkey and uh, the Middle East. Uh, so he's one of the most important merchants in England. He was actually not born a gentleman, but he was knighted by King James. He made enough money where he could like buy his own title. That's how you do. It. That's how you do it. Make yeah. that made that paper. Yeah, and that shit. Fucking Sir Jeff Bezos over here. <laughs> <laughs> so Thomas Smith has been paper chasing and eventually yeah, he buys that patent from Raleigh. And his cousin Gosnold has this good plan to go colonize North America. And so they start finding some investors. And eventually by 1606, they're gonna form the Virginia Company. They're gonna draft a charter. And it's gonna basically it's gonna be their mission statement, you know, why they're going over to the New World. Uh -huh. trying to make some money. It's also going to set up the boundaries of the colony. And the Virginia Company is divided into two sections. It's the Virginia Company of London and the Virginia Company of Plymouth. 
And so those will be kind of important factors later on. But the London company is really the most important as far as the, the Jamestown settlement is concerned. But anyway, so they draft this charter, gets approved by King James, and they come up with a, it's like a board of 20 guys. They're going to be the directors of the company. And then they need to find some guys who are actually going to go over. And so those guys are called the adventurers, uh-huh. the adventurers. And they're led by Bartholomew Gosnold for the most part. Gosnold's going to recruit a lot of guys. He recruits another one of his cousins. Again. How are they just like, like how the recruitment it's basically you just start talking to guys you know. I mean, it's uh-huh. Gosnold is. I mean, his cut. Well, I mean, one of his other cousins, a guy named Edward Mariah Wingfield, who had been a soldier in Ireland and the Netherlands, okay. and just see, they start looking for people who had experience and various things. Um, they recruit a guy named Christopher Newport. He's going to be the admiral of the fleet that goes over there. And he had been an experienced uh, sailor. He's probably one of the most well-known privateers in England at that point. And then he'll start a school that Stephen Bowles will drop out of. I know. Good old Christopher Newport <laughs> University. Actually, fun fact, if you go to Christopher Newport University today, they have a statue of him on campus. And People, well, a lot of people don't like the statue because he has both arms, and the real Christopher Newport lost one of his arms in battle to the Spanish. So he was he was one armed. Wait, wait, on the way over there, he's not on the way over there. This is like in the 1590s, and he attacks a Spanish ship, and his arm gets shot off. Yeah, but wait, no, they went over. But so when he goes over to Virginia, he was had one arm. Yep, he had one. Okay, okay, yeah. So crazy. So anyway, so they recruit him. They recruit a guy named John Smith. Uh, at this point, he's not a gentleman. Smith, bef- John Smith, before Jamestown, he had been a mercenary for the most part. And a lot of guys don't like him, one, because he's not a gentleman, but also, two, because he didn't fight for England. He was fighting for whoever gave him money, mostly for the Ho- Holy Roman Empire. And he was, yeah, he was knighted by... Yeah, it was Turkey like or something like that. Well, it was it was an, it was like the Archduke of Transylvania or something. He was fighting against the Turks, and if you look at his coat of arms, it's three Turk heads, and it's because they the the Transylvanians were besieging this Turkish city, and during the siege, he challenged a guy to a duel. And he beheaded this Turkish guy. And then another guy was like, hey, that's my best friend. And then he cuts his head off, too. And then another guy was like, I'm going to get my head cut off, too. So that's why, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he has three Turkish heads on his coat of arms. You got to be confident to be that third guy. Yeah, you gotta, it's like, <laughs> I think third time's the charm here. I think I can be the guy who doesn't get his head cut off. But Smith, um, he'll go back. After that, he kind of... He he has an interesting history, kind of his travels are kind of a whole other story. But Gosnell will recruit him. He kind of sees, uh, you know, he's a guy who might know what he's doing. And um, so eventually, 1606, the charter starts. And they will in total recruit 105 men and boys. About half of the crew, somewhere of a third to a half of them are described as gentlemen. Some of them had been soldiers. A lot of them had fought either in Ireland or in the Netherlands. Um, against the Spanish in Ireland, they were fighting against the Irish, and they, as you should, as you should, England's also tried to colonize Ireland unsuccessfully up to this point for the most part, and then the rest of them are mostly unskilled laborers, but a few farmers and blacksmiths and all that kind of stuff, and so they they get three ships: Susan Constant, that's the largest one, the Godspeed, and the Discovery, and they load up these three ships. Get all their supplies, get some animals, some some food, some uh, some weapons, some tools, and a bunch of stuff to trade with the the local people. And uh, Christmas Day, sixteen oh six, they decide to 
sail for Virginia. <laughs> At least we'll have one more Christmas before like you guys leave and everything. No, we're leaving on Christmas Day. I mean, you can't. Not on Christmas Day. Like, surely like they'll give you Christmas no, no, with no, your no. families. <laughs> Christmas at this point was actually not... Um, people cared about Christmas, but it was like a drinking holiday. So, like... When nice. pe- Even more important. Oh, so on the boat, you can drink with the boys. Yeah, you I get, get it. Get, All right. Drink on the boat. So let's get on the boat. Sat- Saturdays there. for the boys. Talk to these women. So they... <laughs> I don't have a problem, okay? I'm going to America. So they go, they they go, and they leave on Christmas Day, and they think that the voyage is only going to take them maybe two months. Well, at least for the first two weeks, they're basically trapped in the English Channel. The weather was really bad, and they're just sitting on these fucking ships. And that's what, that's what we, that's what it was, that's what it was written. Yeah. But they just got so hammered. Yeah, they <laughs> they forgot how to how to boat. Had some of that spice rum. So they eventually they make it out, but tensions are already high and people are upset. Ship conditions at this time period are not fun. Yeah. It's a, a very perilous journey to go on. And just and just to like re um this is what's starting the Jamestown colony. This is yes. the ship that's going over yeah. to get it started that we're going to talk about. Yes. These three ships carrying 100 105 men, they are the, what will eventually, when they get over there, they'll start the Jamestown settlement. But on the voyage, again, tensions are high. Most of these guys are basically in underneath the main deck of the ship, and you're basically there the whole time. Like we don't know exactly, but they, you know, you might have been able to go up on the top deck like once a day or something. What? But you're just trapped in like the middle of the ship, and like you basically don't move for. Well, will eventually be four months. What? Yeah, because every, you go up on the top ship, this guy's doing work. It's like sailors actually doing their jobs. They don't want motherfuckers getting in the way. You can't like fall in love in the bottom floor and then take her up to the front of the ship and hold her over the... There's no ladies on this ship. There's no ladies. No ladies. Zero ladies. All right, well, maybe... 105 men and boys. All right, so, 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 they're, so they're English. So you uh, take a nice young... Boy, a nice young English boy, <laughs> as the English do, uh-huh. and you take him up to the front of the ship, you hold him over, and um, and then you guys paint each other naked. Well, if that didn't have if that happened, they didn't write about it. The thing they write about most is how bored they are. They're uh-huh. just in the middle of the ship, uh, not doing it. It's fucking dark and it smells like shit and vomit all the time. Yeah, and there's fucking animals down there too, and it's just gross. And they're really they hate each other. And you start to see, you know, factions breaking out and John Smith is actually going to be arrested. He had been, we don't know exactly what he did, but he was accused of mutiny. He might have been organizing a group of followers or he could have just been talking shit. He was talking loud shit downstairs. He's like, you know what the fuck I would do if I was running? (laughs) (laughs) See, if I was in charge here, this is what we do. And that's like John Smith saying is he thinks he should be in charge. Even though he's never, he's even on the ships, he, you know, he's never been a sailor before. Yeah. He's not a, a ship guy, but even there he thinks he should, he knows better. He's arrested by uh, the captains and he's put in chains. And because their voyage had taken so long to really get started, they start running out of supplies, head to the Canary Islands, get some more supplies, get some more alcohol. Got to stock up on that. And then where's, where's the Canary Islands real quick? It's like uh, it's like east of or west of Africa. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, and, and the way they describe the so, voyage, yeah, they really took the long way out. Yeah. And, and then the, the way they would. Travel in the early 1600s. Just they, go down to... You go down to the Canaries. They they said you go south until the butter melts. And so when the butter, it starts melting because of like the heat. Is that like... You start heading west. Is that a saying or did that they legitimately do that? 
Well, I mean, yeah, basically they legit. That was actually saying, but that was basically what they were doing. You would go as far south, south, and then as as soon as you get a hit, start a hit and lati- hit a certain latitude, you start heading west. So they went to America like I cook eggs, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's starting to bubble now. Okay, yeah, let's go. <laughs> so they they head west. They go to the the Caribbean. They'll kind of island hop their way through these islands. The only guy who dies on the voyage is a guy named Edward Brooke. And he is on the island of Nevis. They start walking around and he, he died probably of heat stroke. But I like the way they describe it because they say uh, in the extremity of the island, his fat melted within him. <laughs> <laughs> this fat fuck is walking around and fucking melts on this island. Uh, and so he dies on the island of Nevis. And um, on one of the islands, they also try to execute John Smith. And Bartholomew Gosnold intervenes. He's like, no, no, we can't kill this guy. He's <laughs> important. And uh, eventually they they leave. And by April 26, that's when they're going to first sight land of North America. And that same day, they will land uh, in what is now Virginia Beach. And you can go to that place. It's First Landing State Park. Beautiful state park. Very beautiful yeah. state park. And... While they're there, they'll kind of, uh, you know, they'll give thanks to God. They'll put a cross up and they'll start exploring the area. And now it's all America. It's America. Now this is ours. Or England. It's England. Anyway, so they they start exploring. They're like, wow, this is great. All this this virgin land, a land as God made it, some might say. And uh, no no one here to spoil it. And then they're like, all right, we're tired. We've walked around enough. We're going to go back to the ship. And on the way back... They get ambushed by the local people and a couple guys get wounded, but no one's killed in, in the incident and they scare them off by firing one of the ship's cannons. Yeah. And that, that's a common thing that will happen. Anytime they're attacked, they fire off one of these cannons that'll kind of scatter the Indians, but they not a good start. The Virginia company had told them, you know, be nice to the natives. Don't don't start shit. Kind of know they need them to a certain degree. They, they won't be able to survive if they're like in conflict with these people. So they try to, for the most part, at least in the beginning, be peaceful with them, but not off to a great start. So they'll keep exploring the Chesapeake region. Eventually they'll find the mouth of the James River or what they'll call the James River. And they'll sail up there. And by May 12th, they're going to find a small island right off of the, the lower peninsula of Virginia. And by May 13th, they'll begin unloading and begin to build Jamestown, which is named after King James. The end. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, if you aren't familiar with Fahinja, James River, still there today, still called the James River. It's called. It's uh, between, like, if you look at, like, if you know where Norfolk or Virginia Beach is, and then they, uh, then above that. You know Rob's not from there because he calls it Norfolk. (laughs) It is called Norfolk. It's, well, kind of. I had a teacher that would say, we don't drink nor fuck till we in Norfolk. Oh, is that what they said? That's what they said. Uh, and down at Old Dominion lo- University. Local, locals know they call it, it's, it's, it's Norfolk. 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 Anyways. No. There's a bunch of Creoles there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is um, it is between, like, yeah, so Norfolk, Virginia Beach, if you know where that is, it's the river just north of that. And then above that is the peninsula, and that's, uh, which is like Hampton, uh, Newport News. And, right. that's, and Jamestown's going to be on that northern peninsula. Yeah. And so this region, um, I mean, 
it's a couple different names for it. Uh, some call it Tidewater, Virginia, or the Chesapeake region. But they're all rivers and pieces of land that either touch the Chesapeake or flow into the Chesapeake Bay. And their instructions had basically been to build a settlement inland. They didn't want something on the coast because that would be too easy for the Spanish to come and attack them. So they wanted them to go a little inland. They also wanted to build a settlement that had uh, a deep water port because that was one of the problems they had with Roanoke was that they couldn't, their ships were too far away from where their settlement was. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to be able to actually, you know, if they had to get away for some reason, have their ships close by. And it's also easier to supply the colony that way. So they, they, that's why they settle at this island that they'll call Jamestown, deep water port. And it's, it's technically not an island because there is a piece of land that does connect it to the main peninsula, but it's sometimes at high tide that land goes away. And it's also so small that it's really hard to bring like a large body of people there. So if you were attacked by a large group of people, it's hard to do it over land. You have to do it by sea. And Jamestown is in a position where you can see up and down the James River. And so it's a good defensive position. And the entire time that they're there, they're more concerned about the Spanish attacking them. Yeah. And that will be always their main concern. So they build this, uh, they start unloading their stuff. And before uh, before that, even the, the first day they land, they they open up this sealed document because the company had picked the leadership. They had a decided that beforehand, but they didn't want them to find out until they got there because they were afraid that if they told them beforehand, guys would get pissed off that they weren't leadership and they would not go. Like who would be? Who would be? It's not like Steve downstairs. God damn it. Well, there's a couple guys in particular. Well, two guys get pissed off that they don't get picked. We'll talk about them. Uh But I mean, I've been there. You've been there. (laughs) Didn't get picked for captain of the dodgeball team. Yeah. (laughs) So the, 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 There's a seven-man governing council. Three of them were captains of the ships. The first guy is Christopher Newport. He's the admiral of the fleet. Expected. Expected. Uh, The second guy is Bartholomew Gosnold, who's the captain of the Godspeed. Expected. Expected. Another guy, less expected, but he was one of the ship captains. There's a guy named John Ratcliffe. Ooh. Who, if again, if you watch Pocahontas, he's the bad guy in that movie. He's the only guy. He's the only guy. And he's uh he's the captain of the Discovery, which is the smallest ship. He was also probably before that, he he might have been uh on that New England expedition with Gosnold. So that's probably how he got involved with this was his connection to Gosnold, but we we're not exactly sure. Ratcliffe's kind of interesting because we don't know a lot about his origins. And later on, he will be accused of using an alias, which is a pretty big. Is this after he dies? This is before he dies. So okay. while he's alive, someone accuses him of using an alias, which is a big deal at this time because Names mean everything. You know, your connections, like like I said, like the people who are involved in this mission, they are all connected together somehow because they're people you know or your cousins and your status means something. Yeah. So if you're using a fake name, that means you're trying to hide something about your past. And who knows what you're trying to hide? Maybe you're trying to hide that you're a commoner. Maybe you're trying to hide that you, you know, maybe you had done something illegal. So there are a lot of kind of questions about Ratcliffe that will come up later on. I mean, I relate a lot to that because when I moved to Virginia, I decided to go by Bob for two days before a girl at a Buffalo Wild Wings told me that that was a gross name and I never, <laughs> and I never went by Bob again. <laughs> Did your, your, you felt your status change? Yeah. <laughs> Wait, she it went down. <laughs> 
so those are three of them. Another guy uh, we mentioned before, Edward Mariah Wingfield. He's elected president of the council. So those are our four, first four guys. The next two are two gentlemen, a guy named George Kendall. He's a captain. Uh, he's also one of those guys we don't know a lot about his origins. And because of that, his role in the colony will be interesting later later on. Uh, and then there's another guy named John Martin. And Martin, his father, was basically the goldsmith for like the head of the gold treasury in London. Uh, he also held some other positions, but he was a well-connected guy. And he's kind of like the, the boss's son. No one likes the, him. The boss's son. No, no one does like Martin. He's kind of a pussy. Yeah. But he's the gold guy. So they think the that gold he's the, uh, they're looking for gold. That's one of the main reasons for this colony. Yeah. They're trying to make money. Yeah. And gold is what they really want to find. So they think he can help them with that. Yep. And then the last guy. So we got our first six. The last guy. Lucky number 11. Dun, 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 dun. Captain John, John, John Smith. Smith, who at this point is still under dun, arrest. Dun, 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 dun. You gotta get him out now. He's he's been promoted nope, to, nope. to not arrested. He's nope, still in jail. All right. In fact, the first when they get to Jamestown, they try to execute him again. Ah, the old college try. And Newport's like, okay, well, we can't execute him. He's on the council. I, I always like, and we'll talk we can talk about this a little bit later too, but like I always the British, like, being so coy about how brutal they are is, is like, really funny to me. Like, like they are absolutely <laughs> they're very willing to they're, do horrifying things. They're very they polite just, about their genocide. Yes, they are. <laughs> they do it They do it with uh, pinkies out. And they, and they, like, they're, like, they need to really, like, fluff themselves up to do it. Yeah. You know, like, they can't just, they need justification in their, like, they need to, you know, do the, make, create the math in their head. That they need to kill everyone. It is a very weird social system. It is, yeah. And it's like a, the beginning of morality. Like, they understand it, but they're also like, you know, they're still animals a little bit, you know? I don't know. Yeah. Not they, like America today where we will not. We're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're totally humane. We don't treat the poor people with contempt. Anyway, so... Um, John Smith, they almost executed him, but Newport's like, okay, we can't execute this guy. He's important. We need him. But he won't be allowed to join the council for a couple of months. So basically, he's still kind of relegated to... He's in detention. A, a little, he's, he's in detention for a little bit. <laughs> a little ISS. And I will suspension. not cause a mutiny. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> write that a hundred times on the blackboard. He um, So anyway, so they start building their settlement to have some encounters with the natives. Some of them go okay. Some of them not okay. Mm -hmm. uh, they start to find out that the... English definitions of property and possession don't really meet the definition of the, the native property and possession. But then they understand that like all society, all rules is a construct and that a natural life where we, you know, see each other for who we are is, is really the way the universe intended. Yep. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> they all sang Kumbaya. Nice. Good Kumbaya sesh. Hell yeah. But anyway, so they, they start exploring the area people let's let, let's take a quick moment let's talk about the local people because we didn't really we we mentioned them a little before we've the people who live in this area the natives uh we're going to call them a couple different names but in general uh, the the term we're going to use is virginia indians that is actually a legal term so when we yeah. say indians we're not being racist white people yeah we'll have we have other terms for that <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to the racial slurs that we'll use for the rest of the podcast but for now we'll, we'll, we'll read tom sawyer and <laughs> 
Anyway, so the uh, the local people, they have a couple. I mean, Virginia Indians is the name we call them today. They're different tribes. And that's the thing, a, an important thing to remember is that they're not uh, a monolithic group. Uh, they are really small groups of people. And at different points, they are united. But they are really, in their core, they're small family groups that live together in communities. Also, real quick, the groups are way smaller in comparison than to like anything in Europe and anything in like the Caribbean or Mexico. So like when I thought of Native Americans for a long time, I thought of like the the Virginia Indians and they're just like, you know, a couple thousand people spread out on this like beautiful land living in naturally, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in like places like Hispaniola, like the Dominican Republic or whatever, and like the Aztec, the Mayans in Mexico, like these were empires of millions of people living in very oh, yeah. advanced civilizations that rivaled Europe. This was not that. And they were not even close. And so like, I think there, there is a, di- there is a connection that people make between like, Oh, that's what they think of. Cause that's what we know as Americans. And that's our history. So we think like, Oh yeah, the Mayans and the, these people in that Columbus found were like a million, like a, you know, 4,000 dudes in an aisle, like, you know, in an area, but it's no, it's like totally different, it, but that might've helped them also with uh, diseases and stuff. Certainly. In fact, one of the reasons why before the, cause in this period between 1492 and 1607, you have so many of these native peoples just contracting smallpox and all these other diseases. I mean, there's some estimates that say like 90% of all these people died before, I mean, most of them even really saw the English because they're just being wiped out by these diseases. But for the power, uh, for the Virginia Indians, because they're slightly spread out, they don't have that problem as much. I yeah. mean, disease will be an issue, but it's not that thing where uh, the English get there and then they contract an illness and then they all die. So that that it is a difference. But and they, I actually do wonder because, like you know, they put up such a like the the Powhatans will learn put up a a decent relative fight for the, especially in the early years. And they could have wiped them out if they had, if they had made that decision right away to wipe out the colonizers. But if you, if the Aztecs hadn't gotten like, hadn't contracted, like if they were immune to whatever, just a cold or whatever it was, like what, like the Spanish wouldn't have existed there because there's no way, there's no way they could have taken on the millions of. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. The, 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 I find that interesting. It is interesting. And <laughs> so just to talk a little bit more about their culture. So the people who are living in here, they are, they're small family groups that usually band together and for what we think of as tribes. And they usually settle along the rivers, the James, the York, the Potomac rivers, the Rappahannock river, also along the Chesapeake Bay. And these people, they are semi-permanent. They live in semi-permanent settlements. They are agricultural based for the most part. You know, we talked about the Aztecs and all that, who were one of the reasons why their culture and civilization was so advanced was because of agriculture and because of corn and being able to native growing maize and corn really made them able to expand and have these huge populations. Feed the amount of people that, yeah, exactly. That's 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 the limiting factor on your population. And so- but because of trade, the Powhatans, the Virginia Indians, they're able to get this corn as well. And so they are growing corn, what they call the, the three sisters crops, corn, bean, and squash. Hell yeah. Three sisters. Whoa. And they would actually grow them together. So you would use the corn stock and then you grow the, the instead of using, um, when you grow beans, beans use vine uh, or vi- uh, vine growing. What kind of beans are you talking about? I don't know. Just the beans. Just general beans. Just general like, beans. Bu- like bushes. Like some baked beans. 
Like what those bushes, are? Bushes, bushes. What kind of beans are those? Uh, brown. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, black beans. There's brown beans. I would. I, there's uh, lima, lima beans. Maybe. Maybe lima beans. I don't, I'm not sure. I have to do more research. I, I just remember when I worked at Jamestown, we always just said corn bean squash. They had, I didn't go much further. Have you? Did you have that? <clears throat> did you ever eat it? Did you ever have like I, a, I mean, I have a had three women's... Uh, Three sisters, three sisters, I, I've had, uh, I've rice had, bowl or whatever. Well, that most of their food was like soup or like stew. Nice. Um, it was easier because when you so women are going to be doing the farming, uh-huh. you can use the corn stock as to for your beans to grow on. So the beans grow on the corn itself, uh-huh. and then the squash grows at the bottom. Oh, and when the English get there, they the see circle these, of life. The circle of life. They see these farms. And they're like, oh, these farms are ugly. It's really ugly ass farms. But uh, no, it's a really efficient way, like yeah, really yeah. low impact farming. Yo, we got the beans up here. We, we got the fucking got the squash, the squash bottom, on the bottom. Holding it together is the corn. The corn, it's a beautiful. The circle of life. It moves us So, but one thing to note is the corn is not native. So it, Sometimes it will rob the soil of nutrients, uh-huh. and they they're not experts on fertilizing and crop rotation. So normally, yeah, when, but they got like three thousand people, so it's like fucking use all of the land. Well, know? yeah, you use it, and then when you run out of no- nutrients in the soil, your corn crops fail. You just move on somewhere else. Uh-huh. And but for the most part, you usually stay in the same relative places. Yeah, the communities will vary. Maybe it's. 50 a couple dozen people maybe it's a couple hundred people women again are doing the farming uh men are gonna be doing hunting and fishing and their their lives are really based around the seasons they recognized five different seasons uh it was the spring was the fifth one all right well so it was it was spring summer i can't remember the, the names of their summer using. winter autumn and plasma <laughs> actually it was fall fall was two different seasons Uh so it was summer or spring is when you're you start getting ready to farm you're going to clear your fields that's when you start gathering some stuff summer is when you're going to do most of your fishing so like fish are like starting to grow uh they're Uh ready uh, and the waters are warm enough to like actually do a lot of fishing you'll start growing crops in the summer and then um, by the fall, the early fall is when you're going to start harvesting your crops. Uh, was that was called early fall? Was, well, they had a different name for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they didn't speak I, uh, English? I should have written the names down, but they did have... God damn. We do know the names. Uh, they have Algonquin names for the different seasons. But they had early fall, and that's when you start doing your harvesting. And then the late fall is when you do most of your hunting. Yes. And so it was, that's when it's deer season. That's uh, also when you like switch from... Uh, Pumpkin spice latte to peppermint spice latte. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're chilling out, uh, hunting deer, sipping on their PSLs. Uh, uh, yeah. And uh, deer, deer is very important to these people because it they most of their clothes are made from deer hide. Uh-huh. Um, most of a lot of their tools are made because from deer. Because deers are very fashionable. They're very fashionable. Make a nice little apron. Uh-huh. Pretty much everyone wore the same thing. Dudes would wear like a loincloth or like a, a an apron that would cover the junk. Women would also wear something similar. Everyone, That's why that, that was a popular TV show at the time, Dear to Impress. That's it was very popular at that time. <laughs> a very highly rated show. So they the most a lot of their tools are made from deer. So you use uh-huh. deer bone, you use the sinew of deer to make bowstring. What? Yeah. So like the the fucking shit holding the muscle together. You. So deers are not happy about this. <laughs> well, <laughs> we don't know. We don't have any accounts of the deer. Deers are like we're doing all the work that you get like for very little pay. Yeah. So like I mean you know European colonization like it could be a bad thing if you were an Indian. 
could be a good thing if you're a deer. But if you're a deer, I would say there are more deer in Virginia today than there were. That's right. In 1607. So before everyone criticizes you're, you're, us for the genocide of the Native Americans, you're welcome, deer. Yeah. I if if any of your deer are listening to this podcast, we did you a favor. You're welcome. You're welcome. So actually, deer are our number one subscribers. So anyways, they hunt deer. Um, they also hunt a lot of other uh, other animals, but a lot of their hunting is done in the late fall. They they'll try to preserve a lot of their crops. They uh, will either dehydrate it or uh, they'll smoke some of it, bury some of it uh, for preservation. Nice winter time. Uh, that's their other season, winter. So you got the spring, summer, late fall, or, or early fall, late fall, and then winter. And by that point, you're eating whatever you have left left saved up and whatever like meat you have from hunting in late fall. This is the winter. Winter. So yeah, by that point, you're it's pretty scarce. And the English, when they are when they encounter the natives, they talk about how their bodies will change based on the season. How in the late fall and the early in the early part of winter, they're really fat because that's like when they've eaten all their crops and they have all their deer meat. But by the early spring, they're really skinny again because they haven't been eating during the winter. I mean, that would probably suck. Yeah, but I could use a I could use a good winter. little cleanse. Little I winter. Could, yeah. <laughs> it's like the opposite now. We do all our fucking eating in the winter. That's right. That's like the yeah, fat look, season. It's got to look good. Anyway, so they. Um, I'm sure their fat was never like. Well, they're very. They're just. Fat. They describe their body like the, the English talk about their bodies. They're very. They describe the Powhatans as being very tall, very lean, uh, because the dudes are just running all the time. Like you're in the woods, you're either hunting or fishing, and you're doing some sort of work. So they're ripped dudes who are really tall, and they're much taller than a That's lot of the English hot. people. Yeah, they're pretty hot dudes. Hot, hot bods, and they got their fucking loincloths, fucking sweat dripping off their muscular pecs that's not my thesis like in college mm-hmm. yeah if i go back to for another degree it's gonna be uh or like i get a phd in native american studies it's gonna be a oh this is worth it don't worry Jim. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be in, uh, native american dick size oh yeah so they hunt, they fish uh but mostly their food is coming from farming women's women are doing that work they didn't go to food line no food lines. Harry Teeters? No Harry Teets. Harry Teets. Uh, what about? No Wegmans. Fresh Mark. Oh, they got a Wegmans in Virginia now. They just got that. That's, that's crazy. Big, that's big news. If they had been there years ago, they could have done well. They would They would. Jamestown would have. When I moved from Virginia, we had just gotten a, uh, or they just got a um, Whole Foods. Got Whole Foods now. I know. Things are changing. They have a Whole Foods in Newark, New Jersey now, and everyone like talks shit about Newark, and I'm like... We got a Whole Foods. Yeah. So does how, how bad could it be? <laughs> it's a city pub town. So small communities, mostly agricultural based. They're most of them are going to be led uh, by a tribal chief or what they call a werewolf. And some of these tribes have united. And there's going to be a guy in particular in this story, a guy named Wahoon Sinecock. Oh, yeah. Good old Wahoon Get Sinecock. used to saying that, guys, because that's history. Get used to it. If you want to know one word, like one name from this time, that's the guy. Wahoon Sinecock. Anyway, so Wahoon Sinecock. Just think like you see a huge cock and you're like, Wahoon. Wahoon. Son of a cock. Son of a cock. He is born, we don't know exactly, but probably in the 1530s, around where modern-day Richmond, Virginia is, uh, in the town of Powhatan. I've, been, I've said the word Powhatan a couple times. Powhatan refers to a few things. It is a, a town uh, where people lived. 
And Wahoon Sinekak, eventually it'll become kind of his nickname. People get nicknamed by uh, the town they're come, they, that they come from. And a lot of the, of the neighboring tribes will call him Powhatan because, hey, he's the leader of Powhatan. So that becomes his nickname. And I kind of like to think of him as he's like the, the Don Corleone of, uh, of, of Eastern Virginia. Uh, and so he, uh, Powhatan, he's born again, he's born in the 1530s, probably by the 1570s, he's become, oh shit, that's uh, crazy. Yeah. He's super old. He, he is pretty old. So, I mean, when the English get there, they think he's probably about 60 or 70 years old, or that's about what he talks to them. I mean, they try to estimate how old he is, but he's pretty old when the English arrive in 1607. So somewhere around the 1570s, we don't exactly, but he will come to power, uh, he, we don't know who came before him, but he, when he ascends to become the Werowance of Powhatan, he inherits several other tribes around him. So they had formed a kind of a larger group of uh, an alliance or a confederacy, you might call them. Um, Joe, don't don't put your my my southern my, my southern rhetoric. <laughs> also, when Wahoo Senecock farted, it sounded like this. Hey yo. <laughs> So anyway, so the he comes to power and he inherits several other tribes around him and he's going to start expanding. He's going to try to conquer these other neighboring tribes and he might do it either through um, through military action. He'll use his uh, his warriors and they'll conquer other tribes. He's a conqueror. He's a conqueror. Or he might do it using just intimidation like, hey, I have more warriors than you yeah. do. Why don't you just join me? It's You're better off that way. He's a central power. The other thing is Virginia goes through ser- several periods of drought. Uh, I mean, the world in this time is going through some weird kind of global climate change things. That, that was it, the, the little or not the little ice age that comes later, but they are uh, in periods of drought in Virginia. And if you are uh, you know a small tribe of people and you're starving and you have this other guy who, you know, he's a powerful guy and he has different Indian groups paying him tribute and a lot of their tribute is corn or food. He can redistribute that corn to feed you. Yeah. And so if you join him and become part of his, uh, his empire, then you stand to benefit from that in that sense. And the other thing is uh, there are groups of uh, Indians on the kind of the outer edges west of the fall line of Virginia, which is kind of their their western border, called the Monacans, and then to the north and west in the in the mountains and above the Potomac River, a group called the Massawomex. Yeah, Massawomex. The Massawomex. Uh, and these are that groups, was in the movie. <laughs> these are groups of people who are going to be attacking them. And if you're on the outer edges of this of this group of Indians, if you're being attacked, and this other guy is like, hey, I can offer you protection. And mafia. Maf- again, Don Don Vito Wahoon Sinecock. Don Wahoon Sinecock. And so he, uh, he, you know, he can either offer you food or protection. And the Massawomics are interesting because an offer you can't refuse. An offer you can't refuse. The Massawomics are interesting because they have two important advantages. One, they have canoes made of birch bark, which are lighter. And Hell yeah! Got that birch bark. Aerodynamic canoes, mm-hmm. much faster, uh, <laughs> and you can make these really quick lightning raids. Lockheed Martin Arrowhead, <laughs> Wahoo Sonicock. And, <laughs> and then later, when the French start settling around the Great Lakes region, they'll start trading with the French, and they'll get metal weapons. Uh-huh. And so they have that advantage. And so by the time the English arrive, Wahoon Sinecock has consolidated about 30 different towns and tribes into his 
under his control. Yeah, and he's, he's got an empire. <clears throat> he's got an empire. He's called the Mamanatawick, uh, which is kind of the supreme chief. In this region of Virginia, his kind of domain is called Sinacumica, which we don't don't know the exact translation, but it's sometimes ref, uh, called densely inhabited land. Uh, so it would have been, um, you know, again, it's probably about ten to fifteen thousand. Sometimes people estimate it as high as twenty thousand people. Uh, again, which like relative is nothing. No, no, know? compared to what you know, that's one town, and I mean that's smaller than the population of Virginia Beach or Norfolk today. Oh yeah, so much smaller. But so it's very spread out. But compared to other native groups in this region, he is definitely the most powerful single person. He doesn't have exactly an iron rule over these people. Some of these tribes will exert, you know, their authority, and the further away they are, the more autonomy they will have. Gotcha. So. Established that, but by the t- when the English arrive, you know he is again expanded pretty far. He's controlled the region where the English will settle around Jamestown. The closest town was called Paspahay, and that was a, s- a fairly small town. But it was around the mouth of the Chickahominy River, where that branches off from the James River. And so the English, where they settle in Jamestown, the Powhatans are kind of like, well, we're okay with that because. It's this piece of land that no one's living on. You can't farm the, the the land. They use it maybe for hunting grounds, but it's really bad, swampy land. Uh, yeah. A lot of mosquitoes, and the water there is not it's not fresh water. It's brackish water, so it's salt, partially salt water. And so these are going to be the the cons of settling in Jamestown. You know, so it's a good defensible position for the English, but it's also has some negatives. Just again, they're going to have a lot of problems with drinking water, disease not being able to successfully grow crops there. Yep. And that's going to be some problems that will keep popping up over the years. But eventually they're going to start exploring the area. They'll sail up the James River. They'll visit some of these different Virginia Indian towns. And uh, they'll eventually they'll get to the town of Powhatan, where Powhatan was born. Uh, he doesn't live there anymore. His capital is now at a place called Werewakamako, uh, which is modern-day Gloucester, Virginia, <laughs> which uh, kind of seems like a downward move going from Richmond to Gloucester, if you know those places today. But uh, that region was much better for growing crops. But his son, a guy named Parahunt, is the Werewans of Powhatan. And so when the English get there, they meet this guy Parahunt, and they think he's the Powhatan. They think he's the leader of these people. And Parahunt kind of pretends to be the leader and he, you know, kind of fools them into believing they've met this, you know, this great Powhatan guy. They're going to put up a cross around the town of Powhatan. They, uh, they're, they try to spin it in this way that, you know, Hey, you know, we're just, uh, we're, you know, this is, uh, you know, the cross represents both cultures. You know, it's uh, it's a you know, we're we're not bad guys. We're not trying to claim this land or anything. <laughs> You're totally um, trying to claim the land, right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they put this cross up and they put King uh, J- Jacobus Rex or King James uh, inscribe it on this cross. And while they're doing this, James, uh, not everybody's on this expedition. They still have people down at Jamestown build, building the settlement and the settlement is attacked. Uh, it's a, the first major attack that they have there, and they almost get wiped out if not for someone on the ship firing one of the cannons, and it scatters off the um, the Indians who had made this attack. And again, that's the thing we'll keep kind of seeing where the the local people they realize that it, they in one on one combat they are probably better than all of these people. 
but because of the weaponry and the technology, they have a significant disadvantage. And they're particularly disturbed by the cannons because of how loud they are and how devastating they are when they're effectively used. And so anyway, so this attack fails, but they're basically trying to test their strength, see how, you know, what these guys are made out of. And they realize, OK, these guys have they got something. Powhatan had really, Wahoon Sinecock, if he had really wanted to, he could have wiped them all out pretty early on. But I think they see this technology, they see the weaponry, and they think, okay, maybe we can use this to our advantage. Either we can take these people, kind of bring them into our group, or we will somehow learn their technology and steal it from them and then wipe them out. Gotcha. So I think that's one of the reasons why they <laughs> don't. Try, they're trying to be America before America. Exactly. They're trying to out America, <laughs> the American or the English. And so they don't wipe them out immediately. But eventually um, Christopher Newport, when they get, they get back to Jamestown, they, they find this attack. They're going to build a fort, make sure they don't get attacked again. Uh, it's a, they use palisade walls. So kind of these large poles in the middle of the ground, uh, and they're they're going to form a triangular fort each at the end of each point of the triangle. There's a cannon. So it's gonna, they're going to be pretty well protected. But in June, so about a month after they've gotten there, Newport leaves. Uh, Newport goes back to England to get more supplies. Also, typical officer. <laughs> typical. Get the fuck out of Dodge. And as soon as he leaves, just shit starts falling apart. I mean, guys are already getting sick. They're running low on supplies. The water is bad, so whenever they're drinking the water, uh, it's making them even more sick. And if they had, you know, some sort of disease, it would probably exacerbate the problem. A lot of these guys are dying from dysentery or what they would call bloody flux, which we're not exactly sure what bloody flux was, but it was probably just a severe form of dysentery. They shitting. They shitting blood. Uh, I mean, blood. they shitting blood. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm there on a pretty regular basis. I didn't go to like a, <laughs> a new world, but I did do like eight tequila shots. Yeah. I, uh, I did eat some spicy food and <laughs> tore my asshole up. There you go. So they're dying of bloody flux and all these other diseases, malnutrition. Another thing they have problems with, I mean, just the food they're eating is horrible for them. Even uh, <laughs> McDonald's. McDonald's. <laughs> I, mean, they're, they're, I mean, they're eating really uh, salty meat. And oh, eat, yeah. Even the corn they're eating, if you eat a diet based in corn and you're not getting other nutrients, because, I mean, the Powhatans are eating corn, but they're also eating a lot of, you know, berries and roots and natural growing foods. And they're getting a, a, a pretty good variety of nutrients. But if you have a diet based on corn, it, what, eventually you'll get this um, new, uh, vitamin deficiency called pellagra. And there are some historians who have said that this is um, what caused this malaise in the settlers. So it wasn't them being lazy. It's them, the fact that they're just malnourished. And so these guys are, you know, some of the gentlemen, they don't want to work. But oh, that's what I am. That's what I am, just <laughs> malnourished. I don't get enough nutrients. That's why I don't want to do shit. I guess I got to stop eating that corn. So much corn. So anyways. You know what their shit looked like, though? <laughs> very, very fresh. A lot of corn in that shit. Oh, boy. But tensions break out and you start to see factions forming. And again, you get you have a lot of gentlemen there and and you have a lot of you know commoners. And these commoners, they a lot of them start deserting. You know, they're like, we've had enough of this shit. We'd rather just Which is crazy to me to like I just like leave it. Like, where do you go? 
You go, mean, to the, uh, you go to the Indians. They go to the Indians. And they, I mean, they start living amongst the Indians. Which is also great. It's also crazy. I mean, and they they just think that that's a better way to live. I, I mean, I have, they think at least I'm not starving with these people. Yeah. Uh, I have a better chance. And I wonder who like had the most success with that. We'll never know. Yeah. But definitely some a lot of them will do that. And then uh, the people who stay in the fort, again, there's just a lot of infighting going on. Uh, Wingfield, he's accused of hoarding food um, at one point. Fuck. Fat fuck, he's one of the leaders. Can't he, he's not giving enough food to everybody. He's on the boat, just fucking throwing his <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating grapes. Yep. So they Wingfield. Uh, eventually, he's going to arrest one of the council members, a guy named Kendall. We talked about before, and Kendall had been accused of starting another mutiny. So what John Smith had been accused of, we don't know exactly what happened, but he's arrested and put on the ship. And while he's on the ship, the other council members who are left who are Gosnold, Smith, Ratcliffe, and Martin. Well, Gosnold dies. Gosnold dies. Gosnold dies in August, about a month after, or two months after um, Newport leaves. And who went back again? What was his name? Newport. Newport Newport goes back. Gosnold dies um, of bloody flux. And he just shit himself. (laughs) I mean, he shit himself to death. (laughs) That is a horrible death. And they, and Gosnold is kind of also the guy that a lot of people respect because everyone likes Gosnold. He's the guy who brought them all together. He's well respected. He's He's a good leader. He's the glue, but he's dead. And so the rest of the council members start forming what they call the triumvirate and they will depose uh, Wingfield as president. So Wingfield is taken off the council and he is arrested and Smith, Martin and Ratcliffe are the only guys left. Kendall is released from prison, but he's not given a place on the councils. And eventually what happens is a there's a, you know, people are angry. People are not happy. Ratcliffe is walking by one day and this blacksmith is talking shit. And so Ratcliffe hits the blacksmith and the blacksmith tries to hit him back and he's arrested and they're going to execute this guy. And right as they're about to execute him, he says, hey, if you come for the king, don't miss. Don't come, don't miss. Hey, I know something that's happening. There is a, a mutiny going on. It's led by Kendall. The same day they're about to execute this blacksmith, he's pardoned. And then they arrest George Kendall and they execute him. So they execute Kendall, and there's a lot of people who speculate that Kendall was actually a Spanish spy. And we, we don't have direct oh, proof I of that. you said Ratcliffe was a Spanish spy. No, no, it's Kendall who's a spy. Kendall. So uh. Kendall is this, possibly a spy. There's a rumor that he might have been captured during the war uh, in the Netherlands, and he might have been, like, coerced to join Spain. He also There's also a couple people in this colony who might secretly be Catholic, and they might have some allegiances to Spain because of that. There's also, you know, some people that was it the ambassador to Spain was paying different ministers who were working in England. Uh-huh. Uh, and probably the most famous of them uh, is basically who was the prime minister of England, Cecil, Lord Salisbury. He was a spy. We don't know 100%, but he is often accused of being under the pay of the Spanish ambassador. Who is that spy who is like the channel, like the English channel guy? Who, like, he was the one who told them, he was the one that told King Philip III in Spain that, like, it wasn't, like, that they, they didn't, it wasn't, like, the colony wasn't as big of a threat as they thought it was. Well, so, the, well, the ambassador was Zuniga, and he's... No, not the ambassador, he's an English spy. He was an English guy who was a spy for Spain, and then, ah, sorry, I'll look it up. Well, I mean, it, it could have been Kendall. I mean, it... No, 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 this is a year, like, this is actually... Oh, years, years later? later? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't know who it was. Okay, like. okay. And so... Kendall, but Kendall was might have been under either under 
Lord Salisbury's pay. Salisbury had a couple of guys in the colony who were reporting to him. One in particular, a guy named Gabriel Archer, who almost certainly was a Catholic because a couple of years ago when they <laughs> they excavated his um they started excavating some of the uh, the graves in the church at Jamestown yeah. and mar- modern archaeology. And one of the people they found buried had a, had a relic with him. And that's almost, I mean, not 100%, but really uh, shows that he probably was a Catholic because, I mean, reliquaries weren't usually part of Protestant culture. Mm-hmm. There are definitely some, ca- the Catholic, there might have been a Catholic spy network in Jamestown. We don't, again, we don't know 100% what was going on, but there are a lot of rumors circulating. And the weird thing about Kendall was, again, a lot of people are accused of mutiny at different points and they're not executed. So why is Kendall now being executed? Maybe it's because he's done something so severe like spying for the Spanish. Oh, you think that was, that was, uh, they, they figured it out? I think they figured it out. Again, they don't say, so again, we don't know. But, Regardless, Kendall is executed. Wingfield is off the council. Gosnold is dead. Uh, Newport's not in the colony. So there are only three guys left. It's Smith, Ratcliffe, and Martin. Uh, And Martin is, again, not really kind of a pussy, so he's kind of a non-factor. So it's basically a competition who's going to control between Ratcliffe and Smith. Well, Smith decides to kind of just leave. He's going to go exploring the region again, uh, and he's going to sail up the Chickahominy River. And while he's doing that, him and his uh, his the group of people he's with is um, either killed or captured. Eh, just just they killed. killed. He, he they captured. were killed. He was captured. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the only guy who survives. Everybody else was killed, and he's taken to where Wakamako because he's the hottest one. He's the hottest one. He's John Smith. He can't kill John Smith. Can't kill John Smith. So John Smith is captured. He's taken to Werewakamako, Powhatan's capital, and he's the first English person to meet Wahoon Sinecock. And while he's there, there's some debate about actually what happens. The story that Smith gives is that he is taken, he kind of tries to impress them with some of his technology. He's like, hey, I got some gunpowder. I got a compass he's here. He's like, shoot a gun? <laughs> he's like my uncle. He's like, <laughs> I got I to yeah, I'll step back. <laughs> All right, sir. And so he, uh, one thing I, I think is funny is he learns that the, the Powhatans are flat earthers. They don't believe they believe the world is like a disc, a flat disc and that they're right in the middle of it. So there is what described as a mock execution. Uh-huh. And we don't even know if it's my, actually happened. my favorite type. Of mock, yeah. <laughs> so they he's taken into this large um this large house, they, the, the, the Powhatans, they called Yehakens. And he's surrounded by all these people and they put him on this stone and there's a guy with a, a large club and he's about to bash his brains in. Yeah. And right as he's about to do it, guess who shows up? Uh, an angel. Yes, an angel named Pocahontas. Oh, yeah. And Pocahontas throws her body in front of John Smith. And it's like Abraham. Yes, like just like Abraham. Uh, I mean, you know, like they definitely, the English definitely made that connection. Like they, yeah, I'm sure they did. They did. And so as he's, again, he's saved from execution by Pocahontas. Because they love, like, that's the reason that Disney movie came out with John Smith and Pocahontas. Because they like were able to fucking take that story and make it like a. God saves Pocahontas. Oh, yeah, God I mean, saves. Yeah, they think it's God. It's divine intervention. It's divine intervention. I mean, and there are weird instances of Jamestown. Where they're, particularly with Smith, where it seems like... It does seem, yeah. He's he's almost executed like 20 times. Yeah. And each time someone intervenes... That's and what I'm saying, he's hot. It, he is very hot. Yeah. And so 
Whether or not this actually happened, we'll never know. A lot of historians and um, paleontologists, uh, people or people who are uh, study the Powhatans, uh, they think this probably didn't happen, or if it, it it doesn't really match what culturally what they did, because uh, yeah. a lot of people talk about it maybe being some sort of adoption ceremony. They're adopting him into the tribe, but that usually would have involved running the gauntlet, where you like run between a bunch of dudes and they beat the shit out of yeah. you, like a, a gang initiation, basically. <laughs> That's a- Fraternity. Yeah, they're a fraternity. <laughs> so whether or not this happened, Smith is going to be uh, held in captivity for a couple of months. He starts talking with the Powhatans, learns a little bit about their culture. Uh, he tries to give them the impression that they're not there to overtake them or t- they're just there to find some resources. Like, you know what? Like, whenever I read this kind of stuff, I, like, just think about how if I'm on a train... And like that stops, right? I have a train. You have a train delay. Yeah, like I'm miserable. Sure. <laughs> and like, but I mean, how does this like even just being there? Like, imagine like just going there, and now you're a, a capturee of like, and you're in like a hut tied to a branch for. I don't weeks. We don't know if he if that was what what was happening. He probably was just walking around. I think he's that, walking around. I think so. I uh, think he was like a free captive. Like he uh, couldn't. Okay. He didn't know how to get back to Jamestown. But like he wasn't like tied to like a fucking tree or anything. We don't know, so it's it's hard to say. And and it, it, regardless, according to Smith, it's not the first time he's been captured before. Because when he was fighting in Turkey, he had been captured there, and he tells a very similar story about how he was saved from death by a Turkish princess. Uh, so that's uh, Pocahontas is like the second time some young native girl had uh, thrown her body Ooh. in front of him. A lot of bodies being thrown at Smith. Anyways, eventually in the winter of 1607, he gets taken back to Jamestown and they will bring some some food and some nice things. Uh, give these starving English guys some some help. By this point, about two thirds of the colony is dead. Uh, they have either starved or been killed by Indians or of numerous sort of accidents anyway. So a lot of them are already dead by this point. Uh, they are bring when Smith arrives, he brings some supplies given to them by the Powhatans. But as soon as he gets back, they try to execute him again. Uh, <laughs> Cause they're like, Oh, you just fucking left us been chilling off with the Indians eating. And there was the whole like <clears throat> controversy where he maybe had said like, he maybe had a, uh, like said, yeah, we'll like obey your rule or whatever. Or what did he say? Something like that. Well, I mean, uh, what he's accused of is basically trying to take over the colony and he's going to be propped up by Powhatan. And they think that he's like, I mean, just trying to become a dictator. Yeah. And so they're going to the Ratcliffe and another guy, Gabriel Archer, um, who Archer is elevated to council member, even though he wasn't chosen by the company. Um, And so Archer and Ratcliffe will arrest Smith because they think he's trying to take over the whole operation. And the next day, they're going to execute him. Well, that next day... Yeah! Guess who fucking shows up? Gates. No, not Gates. Not Gates. That's later. Uh, Newport. Uh, Newport, that's what I meant. The first supply. The first supply. So, so the first supply. So, And one thing we didn't mention before, they're planning to basically prop this colony up by er, survive by continually just bringing in new supplies. They're not going to like farm for themselves they're going to bring food in from England. Bad plan. Bad plan, you know, because the first voyage took like four and a half months to get there, uh, and other voyages will usually take at least more than a month. 
And so from the time you leave England to the time you get back, it's basically half a year has gone by. Uh, so not a really good plan to keep people alive. But Newport will bring some supplies. He'll basically bring the colony back up to its original strength. And for the time being, they are saved. They'll do some more exploring of the area while he's there. They start to run into some problems with trading. Uh, so Smith at one point is appointed the Cape Merchant of Jamestown. Okay. And so he's in charge of all the trade going on. Uh, but what happens is he finds out that all of Newport's sailors are trading all their shit to the, to the Powhatans. Yep. They're giving them uh, mostly, you know, weapon, like swords and hatchets and metal tools. Turns uh, out when you're hungry, you don't care about your, your, your gun. Yeah. And also a lot of the supplies that the Virginia company is sending them, they're not even getting. At one, uh, at one point, Smith is like, all the things that you tell us you're sending us were, is not actually getting to us. Either the sailors are selling them to the Powhatans or they're selling them to us. And so we're having to like pay for our own supplies here yeah. while we're starving. And these like fucking sailors are making money and they're basically using the ships as like a open air black market. Nice. And Which would be kind of cool. I would go to that bar. Uh, that would be a pretty cool place. Yeah. If there's like a ship in the, like the Hudson over here and we could just like, you had to take a little boat out and you can go drink there and like get play, a, get a sword, play like pirate, <laughs> play pirate for the games while. trade. Anyway. So they, that's going on. And Smith is really, angered by that but don't worry uh newport's gonna leave again he's there for a couple of months but he has because he's not a team player he's, he's not a, he's a he's a noble well he's a well newport's not a noble he's a ship guy ship guy he's a ship hey. he, he's like i'm a ship guy that's actually the problem with the, the the colony too is a lot of those guys are ship guys Some and they're of, like they're not they're not we're not farmers yeah we don't want to be i mean the problem is yeah they and they're malnourished on corn they're just they're shitting their brains out <laughs> they want to <laughs> they're shitting their brains out with fucking corny shit <laughs> and they don't have guys that actually want to do work they're gentlemen who just want to find gold and go home yeah and they're not finding gold and yep. they keep looking for it, and they keep asking the Powhatans, like, hey, where's gold? And they're like, well, we got copper. <laughs> and they're like, oh, we don't need that. <laughs> we got a lot of that already. And it turns out farming is a lot of work. Farming is work. And that's one, I mean, one. when we talk about their culture and how advanced the English are, well, they're, they don't know shit about farming. At least the Powhatans got a good grip on that. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, Newport leaves in April of 1608. Smith goes on another exploration, and by this point, he's effectively in control of the colony. He's gonna take because he's a leader by like action. Yeah, he's a guy who's been showing results. And and, and one thing I'm to say about Smith is he's like I don't think that just the status of your birth is means anything. I think I am more capable of leading than guys like Rat, uh, Ratcliffe and all these other fuckers who are these other gentlemen who are lazy, I know what I'm doing and I'm going to take charge. And he gets like a, a, a group of supporters and he knocks Ratcliffe off the council. And by that point, Martin is the only one left, but Martin doesn't really do anything. So Smith is basically in charge. Uh, he's going to explore the region and that's the the famous map that comes from the early history of Virginia. Smith will draw that and that's based on his exploration during this time. So it's like the spring, the summer of 1608. He goes up uh, the Chesapeake Bay and up all the way up to the Potomac River. He actually meets the Massawomeks while he's up there. So, and when he's up there, he tries to figure out how they're getting these metal weapons from. And they talk about how they're. <laughs> <laughs> they, we, we've traded with a French. They're French. 
Wait, wait. But when they talk about this great body of water, he thinks they might be talking about the the South Sea. But really what they're talking about is probably the Great Lakes. And that's this like huge body of water where they're trading. Yeah, the I know French. what the Great Lakes are, Joe. Oh, you know what the Great Lakes are? <laughs> Can you name the Great Lakes? Erie. Mm-hmm. Superior. Yep. Huron. Yep. <sighs> Two more. Uh, damn. What's the one by Chicago? Man. Lake Michigan. Michigan. And Lake Ontario. Ontario. There you go. Five damn. Great Lakes. God damn it. And I had five fingers. It'd be good. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Smith has done a lot of exploration. He's going to map out the region. Also, in this time, he's going to write a famous letter. We don't know who he was writing the letter to. It might have been Henry Hudson, the explorer. But it's usually re- referred to as a true relation. And it was basically the fir- his first account of what's going on. And it's usually thought to be the most accurate account because, one, he's writing a private letter to someone, so he's not trying to pump himself up yep. so much. And a lot of what we know about the early history, at least from like 1608 and before, comes from this letter. And he yep. writes that around this time. But October 1608, Newport comes back. Hell yeah, Newport's back. Second supply. He's better than ever. And guess what he brings? Women. Yeah. Just, just, just two though. Uh, <laughs> and one of them's married. Uh, and the other one is her servant. <laughs> what? Uh, who married to who? Well, so the one woman, they refer to as her as Mistress Forrest. So her husband was le- someone named Forrest. He was a gentleman. She had a servant with her named <laughs> Anne Burris. Anne Burris would actually be the first woman married in the New World. Yo. So Newport brings more supplies, brings a couple of women. Uh, he also brings a couple of new company directives. So the company is like, well, things haven't been going well. Let's maybe change some things up. Guys, I got three big things for you. I got supplies. Yeah. I got women. Yeah. I got directives. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about that. Well, Boo directives. One directive is uh, they're going to coronate Powhatan. So they're going to go up to Werewakamako and they're going to give him a crown uh-huh. And it was a crown bestowed upon by King James. And what they're trying to do is basically bring him under English rule. And And he completely understands the ceremony and Mm -hmm. everything entailed. Yep, yep. And all the tradition and everything involved. Yep, exactly. It goes perfectly according to plan, except it doesn't. Uh, Smith thinks it's a terrible idea. He's like, what the fuck are you people doing? Uh, And that's why why you get Smith. You're like, dude, this guy, like Smith is up his own ass, but he's also like, he he's like, yeah, he, he gets is, it. He is full of shit, but these guys are even more full of shit. Yeah. And at least he's willing to they're like They're like systematically full of shit. Yeah. And they think that by doing this that they're going to actually control this guy. The whole thing just goes terribly because one he won't kneel. He he's like when they try to like put a crown on him, he's much oh, or uh, Powhatan is much taller than everybody. <laughs> so like <laughs> they can't reach his fucking head and he won't kneel for them because he thinks that's beneath him. And then he also doesn't understand the significance of the crown. So like eventually like like two dudes fucking stand on top of each other and they like <laughs> punch him in the back of the knee and like finally get this thing on his fucking head. And they're like, great, Mr. Accomplished, we can go back. And um hey, he gets it. <laughs> he gets it. He knows he's ours now. Anyways, Smith is like, you're fucking stupid. And Della Wara fucking was like, You were crowned, bro. Like years later. Yeah, yeah. Like, we'll we'll get to that. But anyway, so they after that, they they do some some more exploring. They actually go west of the fall line of Virginia, past modern day Richmond, and they meet the Monicans, who are like the main enemy of the, the Powhatans. And the Powhatans were really angry uh, 
Wahoo and Sidikok will later use this kind of like you betrayed me by going to meet them. And they're but mostly they're going out there to look for gold because they think there's gold in the mountains of Virginia. They don't find any. Anyways, so they go back and uh, Newport eventually will leave again in December of that year. And um, when he leaves, he also takes Ratcliffe and Martin with him. So the only guy left is John Smith. And this period between December 1608 till basically the late summer of 1609, Smith is the only guy in charge. Nice. And you could say that it is probably one of the safest times in the history of the colony. Very few people die, partially because Smith starts to exert his authority and he's going to start making common sense decisions. Yeah. I mean, he realizes that. He also fucks off to go get glory, but... For sure. I mean, and so he's going to start trading with the natives, and by trading is in quotes. <laughs> he's uh, got, like, a gun in his hand. He's like, yeah. hey, <laughs> we should trade. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so they're going to start going to these local tribes and saying, hey, you've been giving tribute to this guy, Wahoo and Sinecock, all these years. What has that really done for you? Give some tribute to us. Yeah. We're going to take less corn from you. What are we very gonna American, very, very mafia. What are very, we going to give you in return? Well, don't worry about that. We'll protect you, maybe. We won't. Not. We'll protect you f- by not shooting you in the fucking head right now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they start extorting these local tribes, uh, particularly the Paspahays and a few of the other ones that are close to Jamestown. And it kind of backfires in a way. I mean, he starts to piss off. Uh, Wahoon Sinecock. Eventually, Smith will go back up to where were Comico in 1608 and meet with Wahoon Sinecock. And he's like, hey, what the fuck? Like, I adopt you, adopted you into my tribe. I made you my fucking son. You embarrass me. You fucking, uh, you're going around doing all this fucked up shit, stealing food for my people. What are you, what are you doing, man? And Smith is like, peace, bro. I'm done with you. And he leaves, and that's the last time the English will see Powhatan for five years. He basically disappears. Oh, really? Yep. So it, that's the early 1608, and uh, or maybe what? 16- no, because mm-hmm. he dis- he because dis- they they go to war with each other, and they don't see him until the end of the war. Uh, and that was five years later. Five years later. Because he moves his capital. That's the other thing is after Smith uh, leaves, because there's they're tense the whole time he's there. Because one of the disrespectful things that Smith does is he won't, all of his men won't let down their weapons because they're afraid they're going to get ambushed. Hell yeah. I mean, and it's understandable. Understandable. And they're like, we're not going to give up our weapons. And then they're like, well, we don't trust you because you don't trust us to like put down your weapons. And they're like, well, okay, that's fine. Uh, so they leave. And instead of going back to Jamestown, they go to uh, the town of Utenand. Uh, on the Pamunkey River. Utah? Utah. Utah. <laughs> and uh, it's where a guy named Opikankanoo lives. Opikankanoo. So Opikankanoo, he's the younger brother of Powhatan. And he's not the, the next in line to inherit the throne, uh, the Mamanatawik position. But he will eventually. He's basically the second most powerful person behind Wahoon Sinecock. Nice. Uh, and the, the most powerful tribes in Virginia are usually along either the York or the Pamunkey rivers. And he is the leader of basically an elite group of soldiers uh, who are living in this region. Okay. And so when Smith is there, he also tries to force Opikankano to trade with him. And Opikankano is like, fuck off, bro. And Smith takes a gun, points it at his chest 
and takes him hostage in order to get away because he thinks the whole I mean which he, was not cool not cool but they probably were trying to kill him yeah and so the only way he gets away is by uh, using Obi Kankanu as a human shield and Obi Kankanu is also much t- and so it, much taller and anytime you see paintings of this like Smith looks like a fucking midget holding a gun to Obi Kankanu oh they didn't even fucking photoshop him taller no no oh no. man well they made it look like he was like basically overthrowing like this giant David and Goliath. Yeah. yeah and so he gets away but it's basically the final straw so Obi Kankano is really pissed off and Wahoo and Sinecock is really pissed off and they're gonna implement a trade embargo on Jamestown and so any of the tribes that are still controlled by them aren't allowed to trade with the English anymore and uh, and this is because you know Smith has he he's still gonna try to consolidate all these tr- local tribes close to Jamestown and that's how they'll survive by taking corn from them but it's not a really far-sighted strategy but it does keep them alive in the short term it does and it i mean ensures that they're gonna stay alive at least until the next supply reaches them also during this time uh this is when he utters the phrase he shall who he who shall not work shall not eat there's probably his most famous quote um and he's you know all these fucking gentlemen who are not doing anything he's saying if you don't start doing shit and stop just laying around or just looking for gold, you're not going to get food. And a lot of the gentlemen don't like that. Um, (laughs) But anyway, so that's his famous quote. So while this is all going on, that Newport had already returned to England and a couple things happened. One, the, the company heads, particularly Thomas Smith start interviewing these guys and they start figuring out, Oh, things aren't going too well over Mm -hmm. there. One and Smith also sends a letter and basically Smith is like, hey, this is the problem. You keep sending all over these fucking dandies who won't work. And you guys need a fucking war hero. Yeah, you need a war hero. And you need to send over people who know what they're doing, like farmers, like skilled laborers, people who actually want to be here. Bitches. bitches. They try try growing silk. They bring silkworms to Virginia. They try a lot of different things Uh to make money. But he's like. If we bring actual, like, they they build a glass house, uh, and they bring some <laughs> Polish and German immigrants to work the glass house. Oh, they loved it. They loved it. They defected <laughs> to the Powhatans very quickly. You actually, if you go to Jamestown today, you actually still have the glass house there. It's pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> they, <laughs> they built it and left. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, Smith is like, hey, you need to send over some guys who can actually do, re- like, things that we need. Farmers. Hard labor. Uh, like skilled laborers, like people who can make things and make food for us so that we don't die. Uh, stop sending these fucking gentlemen over. So Smith does actually take some of this into account. He also interviews Ratcliffe, and Ratcliffe is like, Smith is a fucking psychopath. You shouldn't trust Yeah, but this guy. Ratcliffe ain't shit anyway. Yeah. He will go back, though. He will go back. He has he a. Sh- he shouldn't. He shouldn't. He has a. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But anyways, so Smith is like, okay, let's let's change things up. Let's draft a new charter. So that first charter didn't really work out so well. We need a new government. So something a little more, uh, a little stronger. Something that's not going to fall apart twenty minutes into the, into the thing. And then we also need more money. Uh, so he's going to recruit some more investors. Uh, and then there's a guy named Edwin Sands, and he's going to end up drafting the charter. So the second charter is enacted in 1608. It's not going to take effect for a little while, though. So they get uh, a total of seven ships to go over, and then they have an additional ship led by a guy named Captain Samuel Argyll. And the other big thing they realized was this way we're going over here is not 
efficient. We need yep. a better route to get to Virginia yep. and because we can't supply them effectively. So Argyle goes over first and his plan is basically to st- just sail straight across the Atlantic. Argyle seems like a cool dude too. He and he yeah, I I kind of like Argyle. He, I do too. He's he doesn't get a lot of attention historically or in popular culture, but of all these guys, he's really important. He just seems like he, he's like good at his job and yeah. he's a problem solver. He's a problem solver. And then later on, he's kind of like him and this other guy named Thomas Dale. They play good cop, bad cop. And uh, Argyle is kind of the good cop. So we kind of like him. Right? Yeah, he's a good dude. So anyways, he, he goes to over first. And when he enters the Chesapeake Bay, guess who he runs into? He runs into the Spanish. This, oh, this, that's right. That's right. They were. Yeah. This, so the Spanish, while this is all going on again, they know what's happening. When Smith sends over that letter, they get a hold of the map that he sends. And then they 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 call up La Florida. They call up La Florida, get Florida on the phone. They say, hey, you got to check on what's going on up fucking Jamestown. And then they send a dude in a little ship and they run into our at the same day that Argyle's entering the Chesapeake Thank Bay. God. They uh, this Spanish ship comes in behind them. And it's like 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 I I remember reading that. And I'm like, dude, like imagine like you're just getting there, and you're like so close. You've been on fucking sea. You've been working for the last two months, and then you haven't seen anything. And, and then you see this little ship come in, and you're like, you're gonna like you just defend the colony. You 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 play defend. I don't know what I'm saying. Like like I would have just gone. What are you saying, Rob? I would have gone and landed in the shit, you know. But they're like, oh no, we're gonna. He like chases the dude out of there. Like yeah, he, well, yeah. So they he's like very he's all about all about the business. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they they the Spanish the Spanish they find this Argyle ship is larger than their ship. Yeah. And they are they don't want to get you know fucked up. So they decide to just go back, and they do find they figure out where Jameson was located, kind of because. Uh, they spot one of the ships going up the James River. So they're like, okay, that's where the settlement must be. Yeah, yeah. But they don't go find out where it is, and they just go back to St. Augustine. And so, But anyway, so Argyle gets there, and Argyle's like, hey, shit's going to change. And Smith is like, well, we'll see it. We'll see how that happens. Yeah. And uh, in June of that year, or May, they send over a, a fleet of seven ships from uh, Plymouth, England, and on the way over there, they're going across this uh, mid, uh, this just direct route to Jamestown. They run into an Atlantic hurricane. At that point, the word hurricane didn't even exist. Um, and probably these English people are almost certainly some of the first uh, Europeans who experience an actual hurricane. Because hurricanes are like a phenomenon in this region. They don't go to Europe. They come from Africa and head west. Yeah, And so... They've experienced storms before, and even in the um, the Mediterranean, the word tempest, that comes from the storms from the Mediterranean that some of these sailors <laughs> would have gone through. But most of these guys have never experienced anything that large before. Uh-huh. And so they, they, they're they traveling over, and this hurricane basically just wipes, wipes out this fleet. It doesn't wipe them out. They get separated. The largest ship on the, on the fleet is called the Sea Venture, and the Sea Venture eventually will... It's damaged, but it doesn't sink. And for several days, they're basically bailing water out of the bottom of the ship, trying to keep it afloat and working hard, working hard, hardly working. There is no harder work than uh, we are about to die. And this and the ship, the shipwreck really alters their their whole way of thinking, because not only are they. Uh, I mean, the, there's this one historian, Joseph Kelly, who talks about the way shipwrecks affected people because it not only 
you're going through this traumatic experience that again most people never could even conceive of at this point and you're being washed away by the water and like you see people going off the ship and drowning and a lot of people are dying and then you survive and then all this and then all of a sudden the only way you can survive is everybody on the ship just pitches in to keep alive and so these gentlemen are uh, everybody on board the ship are bailing the water out so status doesn't matter at this point you're every it's every man trying to just keep afloat and eventually they survive they shipwreck on bermuda and all uh, they they don't know what happened it, fear is a breakdown of society yeah and and that's what happens and they get there and they they some of the people are like hey that contract that we signed to come on this voyage is null and void now because we're not in Virginia. Uh, so the contract is invalid. And so the leader who had been chosen of this voyage is a guy named Thomas Gates, um, who had been an experienced soldier. He was one of the early investors in the company, but he didn't go on the original voyage. He stayed in the Netherlands. Uh, he was fighting over there at that time. But he he's going to be one of these guys in the sea venture. Newport's also in the sea venture. And then there's an, uh, the captain of the ship is a guy named Summers. And but the people, the lower class people start to start to grumble. They're like, hey, we don't we don't want to keep going because they've been talking to these sailors. And a lot of these Newport sailors have already been to Jamestown and they know how horrible it is. Yeah. And so these guys over on Bermuda are like, let's just fucking stay here on this island paradise. Because, dude, you like think like like w- if Gates was like like he he got it. Like, do you think he understood? Like, because he was also shoveling water out of the bottom of the ship, and like he survived, and he must have felt gratitude for that. Do you think like he understood these people who were like, "Hey, dude, like it doesn't. This shit is doesn't matter." Maybe he did, but I I think you could say that like if he tries to understand, then then maybe he like I think. Do you think his worldview was was immediately? I think his world. I think his worldview is so warped. Like he's so wrapped up in this. You know this the status and the social class and the hierarchy that it came right back as soon as he, it, cause as soon as you, you start thinking about it or if you try to change your view, then it all falls apart. So I feel like he has to be so wrapped up and so tied to this belief that he's in charge. That I, 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 don't I mean, even I mean, on the other, can... on the other hand, like that's where, that's where that kind of stuff comes from is like, he was like, okay, maybe I understand it. But at the same time, if we ever get off this Island, we need structure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So he reinforced it. it is, it's a really interesting scenario. So they're they're going to be you know, marooned there for several months. And while they're there, there are a couple of attempted mutinies. And they're, a lot of these people just want to stay there. Because they're like, we have this beautiful island. There's food there. They even send boats back at some point to get food from it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Bermuda will eventually uh, become part of the Virginia Company. It's part of um, they, one, uh, the Charter of 1612 includes Bermuda, and they'll eventually settle there. But they Gates wants to keep going. He, they'll take the wreckage of the Sea Venture and then take some of that and then the wood that's on the island and build two new ships. And eventually they'll get to Jamestown. But while this is all happening... Um, most of the other ships do survive and some of them will just kind of limp into Jamestown in the late summer of 1609. And by that point, again, Smith is the only one there and he's kind of upset that more people are arriving because he is like, I'm already having a hard enough time feeding the people here. 
how am I going to feed all these new people? A lot of them are women and children. Yeah. That's and weird. he, they're not bringing any more supplies because all their supplies got ruined during the hurricane. Oh man. So it's like, I have hundreds of more people now and no way to feed them and no way to protect them. So what he actually does is he starts sending off groups of people. Cause the other thing is when people get here, they're like, Hey, we have this new charter. You're out of the picture. There's a new governor coming. And he's like, well, where's the governor? And he's like, well, he's not here yet. And it's like, well, where's the second guy in charge? Well, he's not here yet either. And it's like, well, where's your fucking charter? It's like, well, they had that on the other ship. <laughs> <laughs> and so Smith is like, okay, well, when he gets here, we'll see what happens. But he's going to stay in charge. But the way he kind of alleviates some of the pressure is sending people away. So he sends a, an expedition up to near the town of Powhatan, and they build a settlement basically across the James River. Yep. And then they send another one to uh, right around the town of Kickatan, which is modern day Hampton, Virginia. And what they'll the English will name it Point Comfort, and they'll build a settlement down there. And they'll later build a fort called Fort Algernon, which is basically where uh, Fort Monroe is today. Yep. And so they. Both of the uh, the 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 settlement near Powhatan goes pretty poorly because eventually they try to negotiate to buy the town from the Indians and the English think they successfully buy it. And the Indians are like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, we don't want you here. And eventually they kill a bunch of them uh, or the Indians kill a bunch of the English and the English go back to Jamestown. That expedition pretty much fails. Uh, Smith will go up there to kind of see what's going on, try to control the situation. And while he's going back, an accident will happen to Smith. And this will basically be effectively the end of Smith's reign in Jamestown. Oh, that's when it was? Yeah. Was he, on a, he was on a boat. Right? He was on a boat. He's coming yeah. He's coming back to Jamestown. And a, a bag of powder that had been attached to him while he was sleeping catches on fire and ignites. And he, um, he his, basically his lower like body catches on fire and he jumps into the James river to like put out the fire and he's almost killed by what had happened. And he suffers really bad burns from it. Some people actually think he was castrated because of it. Uh, like the fire actually burned his ball sack off. Oh. Uh, that's he never has children. So like some people speculate that's why he never had children. Cause it like a, that fire had like affected his, his junk. <laughs> yes. Yes. So we don't know, but and a lot and but most historians think this was probably intentionally done. This was basically an assassination attempt because this happens to a lot of guys. Anytime like there's some unlikable person, like they just <laughs> kind of suddenly catch on fire because of like a pow- like a bag of powder on them. And cuz they're all carrying weapons and their main way of firing their weapons is from black powder, so you have like a pouch or like a bag of powder on you at all times. And if you're sleeping, if someone just fucking lights a match on that, you're fucking done. And we don't know, obviously, but it seems pretty likely that at this point people had just been had enough of his shit and someone tried to kill him. He survives like miraculously, even though they thought he was certainly going to die. But around this James Smith, John Smith is a fucking survivor. He's a warrior. He's a survivor. That guy. Yeah, he. But this is uh, like the fall of 1609. And that at that point. Good time to leave. Good time to leave. <laughs> um, Samuel Argyll is like, okay, shit's not going well here. I'm going to go back to England, get some supplies. So he takes Smith. Samuel Argyll is a fucking. He knows what he's doing too. Yeah, he knows what he's doing too. So Smith goes back with him. And then the colony uh, is basically left to their own devices. 
and by that point, there's a couple guys in charge. The guy named George Percy. Percy was one of the original settlers. Yep. He um, also was one of the. He writes a lot about so, uh, the colonies. So some of the things we know come from Percy. John Martin also returned at some point. So he he was one of the guys who would come back on that that mission that the the second supply or the third supply. They start trying. They build a settlement down uh, on the south side of Virginia across the James River near the town of Nansmond. And uh, they build a fort there. Eventually, the uh, the Nansmond Indians will besiege the fort and kill most of the people in it. And Martin and will escape. And they before and the reason why they the Indians had attacked them was because when they built the fort down there, they ransacked uh, one of the local Indian temples and desecrated a bunch of dead bodies. And, you know, they didn't really take too kindly to that. Uh, so they slaughtered a lot of the English and Martin will escape. They'll also build that fort down Fort Algernon down at Point Comfort, Hampton, Virginia. But things are not going well. They've run out of supplies. They're embargoed by the Indians. And Smith is gone, so whatever control they had over the local people is gone too because Smith was the guy who was in charge. Yeah, and, and but to be fair, though, like Smith had lost all of his uh, uh, leverage. His, his cachet. <laughs> yeah, he didn't have any. At first, like for a while, he was like the guy who could like talk to the Indians and at least you know, get out of there alive, but not, yeah. it, it was not. By the end, he was kind of uh, at the end of his rope anyway. So yeah. he, good time to leave. Good time to leave. Start, follow 1609. Follow 1609. Yeah, that's and, when I would leave. And this is going to begin uh, what is affectionately called as the starving time. <laughs> um, a lot of fun. Why, why is it called the starving time? Well, again, they don't have food and no one is trading with them. Yo, they starve the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Like, and cannibalism. Yeah, so they... That's all they, you need to know. The Indians have besieged Jamestown, so they're afraid to leave the fort. And no one's like... And they're not like... You, who's running the show at the time? It's a few different guys, but it's like Martin, Percy, and Ratcliffe. Ratcliffe is back at this point. Ratcliffe is back. Yeah. Because he came back with one of the ships. Um, Gates and Newport are still in Bermuda, or yeah. maybe... Yeah, they're, they're still in Bermuda at this Bermuda. time. So... And they're just like... They're not even a re... Like... They're not even uh, sending out groups to attack the people that are attacking them. No, they're just they're they they're staying in the fort. Anyone who leaves the fort is probably going to get shot full of arrows. Yep, full survival mode. And but the, but they have nothing to eat, and so they they eat all the supplies they have. Then they start eating the horses and the dogs, and then they run out of that. And they start eating the rats. They run out of rats. And they start eating the leather of their shoes. They boil the leather and will eat that. And then at that point, they start eating people. They're, they start eating people. And it's interesting because this was, for hundreds of years, they didn't believe that that actually happened. There was one recorded case where it was a man who ate... His wife. He ate his wife. And a lot of people thought that had been sensationalized and that didn't actually happen. Uh, and then in about 10, a little over 10 years ago, they found archaeological evidence uh, down in Jamestown where... Uh, not like the good eating of your wife. Either. Not the good eating of your wife. <laughs> not bad. like he was a gentleman about it. No, no. He wasn't trying to make sure she got hers too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, they're eating human flesh. It's really flesh. gross. It is yeah. gross. And they, they found this uh, woman in particular they called Jane. We don't really know anything about her, but it was a woman probably. Oh, they know about her. It was in her early 20s. They know that she had spoon marks on her skull. Yeah, so they, they found her skull in what was basically the kitchen of this building, and they found scrape marks on her skull. So it's pretty, you know, it fits with signs of cannibalism where they're actually scraping 
uh, the the meat off of the bone. And this is what happens. Dude, Uh, like, why don't you... I don't know. I don't know. I can't really... I mean, like, I'm just going to go steal shit from the Indians first, right? Like well, they're so afraid. They they don't want they they're so weak and malnourished that and and at that point they're in a really disadvantage as far as strength goes. So they just don't think that they can kill them or beat the or beat the Indians. And anytime the Indians try to like at one point they lure them out of the fort and Ratcliffe will go on an expedition because they say, "Hey, we want to trade, want to make peace." Ratcliffe will go up the river and is ambushed and Ratcliffe is captured and skinned alive. Oh, not good. Uh, And they're skinning him probably with like oyster shells and like sharpened rocks. And you're scraping the skin off of his body as they are about to like burn him to death. Uh, So Ratcliffe, good old John Ratcliffe meets his, his end in the the late fall of 1609. Probably, but honestly, like, I mean, if he didn't die, then he probably would have died Good chance he would have just starved to death, anyways. But anyway, so he yeah. he is killed. Um, not yeah, not good. Not, not good. fun. Not fun. And so they're basically just sitting in this fort, and there are stories of people who just lie down and basically are just waiting to die because they just have no hope at that point. By the spring of 1610, uh, the siege of Jamestown has been lifted because the the Indians have to plant their uh, their uh, fields uh, and start farming for that year. So they stop paying attention to what's going on at Jamestown for a little bit. While that's happening, George Percy starts sending, or sorry, he goes on an expedition down to Fort Algernon, uh, down at Point Comfort. <laughs> and he gets there and he realizes, oh, wait, the people here are fine. <laughs> They're like, oh, you guys need food? We got plenty of food. We got like oysters and like pigs and they've been fine the whole time yeah, whereas everybody fat. at Jamestown is just dying and eating each other <laughs> and Percy is just like infuriated but his his plan is basically just to bring people down there get them fit send them back to Jamestown but around that same time good old Thomas Gates uh, has finally arrived they finished building the two ships patience and uh, deliverance they so they build these ships they sail to Jamestown they get there Oh shit! This is not good. Uh, people are. Mo- <laughs> I actually like Gates a lot for his decision making at this point. Well, yeah. So they they get there, and at least two thirds of the colony is dead, and Gates is like, okay, let's just let's go back at this point. Yeah, it's, and, and, but I, but it's a good it's a good. He's dis- like, there's no point. Like, there's no point. There's no point in staying here. Yes, like this is terrible, and so he gathers gathers everyone so at Jamestown. Funny. Sails down to like, like comfort. Y- you gotta think about it. Like he's arriving, this guy on fucking, you know, uh, palm tree boats that he built from Bermuda, and he finally gets there with no supplies because he could barely take anything because he has makeshift boats, and he gets to a starving colony, this great colony that he thought was his, and he's just like, all right, there's absolutely no way, and then everyone is like, like who's literally about to mutiny anyway and go live with. Indians, people who they don't understand how they their language, they don't understand their culture, they don't understand anything. They're about to go live with them because that sounds like they, a better they, option. Yeah, it's a, it really is a better. It option. is a better option. And and they're like, and then this guy gets here and he's like, obviously this is fucking stupid. Yeah. We need to get the fuck out of here right now. We're gonna go up to Newfoundland, Newfoundland, yeah, and get get shrimp, get yeah, get some supplies, get some shrimp scampi, (laughs) and we're gonna get out of here because this is horrible. This is horrible, and I'm not gonna try to pretend like I'm a I'm a leader 
Yeah, you know, it's not worth it at that. It's point. not worth it. And so they sail back down to Point Comfort. They pack everything up, and they he has to convince them not to burn down the fort. Oh they, man, they were like, <laughs> we're so angry. We just want to like just erase every memory of this place. Every he, single person is like, I want to burn this down. I want to burn this so motherfucker bad. down. And he's like, down. No, 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 no. Let's just don't let's burn just, it down. Let's don't burn it down. Let's just leave. Let's get out. like just forget about it. Just like forget it. Okay, it's not worth it. It's not. It's worth not it. worth it. Exactly. Anyway, so they I go- starved in this town. I want to burn it down. <laughs> so they, I really want to burn it down. They they travel down to, to Point Comfort, and the day they're about to leave, <laughs> peace, bitches. <laughs> oh wait, wait, uh, Ho- hold up now. We're gone, right? We're leaving. No, no, no. Uh, guess who shows up? No. Um, another a new guy. So this this is the guy who had been appointed to be the governor. Uh, Gates was l- the lieutenant governor, but the real guy in charge who uh, wasn't able to go on that on the sea venture is a guy named Sir Thomas West, Third Baron Delawar. Delawar. Thomas West, Baron Delawar. He arrives with a fleet and his own personal guard of soldiers, and he's like, "You best turn the fuck around." We're going back to Jamestown. Now, to be fair, Delaware had supplies and had people. So it wasn't like the stupidest decision ever. Obviously, it turns out to not no, be. No, this, this is a turning point. It is a turning point. But just imagine. Yeah, you have, you have, <laughs> you have seen people that you... Kill cannibalism. Ki- people like are eating human beings and like doing the most like horrible, degraded shit for months... Yeah, and you thought you were like you had no chance of survival, and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm getting out of this hell. I'm I'm going back to back home, and then this guy's like, nope, we're going back. Yeah, <laughs> like you're in the boat already. Yeah, you're ready. They to are. Go. I mean, and it's just one of those like hand of God, like weird little moments that like the day they're leaving, and like it, it's not like they're. You could miss somebody. Like if you were like ten miles one direction, or yeah. like oh my god, or if you, it's, oh, it's a if huge it was world. Like, if it so was weird. like if they had left the day before, oh, like if okay. like someone was like, mm, let's just leave, like let's leave early. Yeah, they would have missed them totally. And so they go back. Um, but again, this will mark a turning point because, and again, at this point, the third chart or this excuse me, the second charter that had been drafted is you know officially put into place. Thomas West, uh, Baron Delaware, is going to be become the you know effectively the military dictator. Dun, da, da, da. That's I mean that's what they do. He has like a a, a company of halberdiers, these giant uh, pike pikemen, uh, and he has like a personal guard of guys, and he's got this huge cape, and he's like, hey, I'm here, I'm in charge now, and that will mark a turning point because. They now have professional soldiers at Jamestown. Hell yeah. Before that point, they had been basically giving these scrubs muskets and tell, told them how to load and fire, and that had not worked very well. Nope. But now you have experienced military guys um, who've been fighting both in the Netherlands and Ireland, and they have a plan of how they're going to fight the natives, and they're going to start doing that. Basically, uh, at that, you're going to start to see an escalation in the Anglo-Powhatan War. He's going to fucking shoot some dudes. He's going to shoot some dudes. And what they do is they start raiding these towns and they use their ships. And I, I think, you know. I still imagine like all of their guns. Mm-hmm. I actually want to look up a picture of what their guns look like. Oh, we, I mean, go to Jamestown. You can see them being fired. But I imagine that they're like, you know, like the horn. The horn? Like it comes. Oh, you, like the. Like the blunderbuss musket, like a blunderbuss. Yeah, they're they're not like that. They're I that's mean, that's what I imagine. 
the so muskets in this time period in fact in europe the main weapon they're still using is the pike that is like the primary weapon what is that so that's like a long spear that is the weapon that most infantrymen will use in european warfare at that time because muskets are really unwieldy you have the you most most musketeers would use like a, a stand so you put your musket on like a, a stick in the ground and you use that for aiming because uh-huh. it's very unwieldy to use at best you're firing three shots a minute uh so it's unless you have a lot of people standing all still in one place muskets are really ineffective and if you're being faced with cavalry it's really hard to fight against that with guns where whereas if you have a long spear like you can defend against cavalry so that's the reason why i mean you usually have like a large pike formation supported by musketeers that's Gosh. that's what european warfare was like when they get to the new world they realize pikes are useless because indians don't attack them in large formations and they don't have horses so they can't ride them over so muskets are much more effective but it's still hard to use them if you're being ambushed in the middle of the woods so they're only effective inside the fort or when you attack them in force okay and so they're the most effective weapon they have is their ships because they can use them to basically do amphibious assaults so you, you the marines the marines you load up a ship full of like a company of 50 men and you sail to the nearest town and then a company of 50 men will go into this town and basically burn down the town and mostly respectfully. they're respectfully but when you get to the town there's usually nobody there because all the men are in the woods hunting and the women are in the fields farming so you can just burn down the town and then when they get back to their town it's just gone so they have to move on elsewhere or if there's anybody there you just fucking shoot them and so they find that that's the most effective thing to do and they're just going to go to the neighboring towns and burn down the fields and the the houses and kill anyone who's there so they start to take over the surrounding area kind of create a buffer zone and they're pretty successful at that for a little while they actually they the town of kikatan uh which is basically where hampton is today that's the first one they do they destroy the town kill all the inhabitants and everybody who survives leaves and they build a english settlement there it's still people live there today hampton virginia uh and they're going to do this to the surrounding area until they feel that they're safe enough this is going to lead to an, again an escalation in the war whenever they attack us an indian settlement the the indians will retaliate and groups of people uh there's a group of miners that have been uh ambushed and massacred and anytime they're isolated like groups of englishmen are out in the woods you know there's always a chance of attack they make raids on the blockhouse which was like a, a small garrison that uh between the fort and the mainland and they make raids on that a couple of times and anytime they're able to lure them out of the blockhouse they're able to like kill them pretty easily and um, but anytime the Indians will slaughter the English, the English will retaliate. And that will go on for a couple of years uh, until basically you get to 1611 or 1612. There's basically a stalemate and nothing happens for about a year or so. And then in 1613, uh, there's going to be a major turning point of the war. It's going to be the, dun, 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 dun. the capture of Pocahontas. Is, um, is Dale here? Uh, yeah, Dale is here at that time. Okay. So uh, there's a guy named Thomas Dale. Because uh, that guy was a big... Because Delaware 
goes home because he gets sick. Yeah, so Delawar leaves. There, there's a couple of guys. So Gates, Gates will succeed Delawar. And then Gates also, a friend of Thomas Dale was a friend of Thomas Gates. They had yeah. been soldiers together. Uh, Gates will be the governor or the lieutenant governor, governor, but effectively in charge of the colony. And then Dale comes over and he's a military leader. Argyll's also over there. He's a military leader. And between Dale, I, I mentioned before, like, Argyll was kind of like the good cop and then Dale was like the bad cop. Which is funny because like usually if you're like, guys, I know shit's bad, mm-hmm. but Dale's coming. <laughs> <laughs> usually it's not a great that, that's, time. That's but not Dale, what you're hoping but for. But Dale was capable. Well, uh, capable, brutal, but a little bit capable. Capable of slaughtering the Indians. And, and, and very, and he killed a lot of his own guys. Like, just like he had a very strict rule of law. Oh, yeah. So they, they institute martial law in the, co- in the colony. Uh, they, what they call the, the, uh, laws, martial, moral, martial, and divine. You can't leave the fort without wearing armor. That's illegal. That's actually a good rule. It's a really good rule. Yeah, you know um, what, you know what uh, arrows don't do well with? Armor. Armor. And the, also you have to go to church twice a day. Uh, um, sodomy is illegal, so no more fucking uh, dudes. Dude, come on. And they're not going to be, all, they don't really what start bringing. What a fucking chode, they bro. Don't, they don't start bringing over single ladies for like a few more years too. So that's, Oh my God. It's, it's real bad. Anyway, so. It's the Marines. It's the Marines. Man. So they start, uh, anyway, so what happens is uh, Pocahontas sometime between the meeting, meeting her in 1607 and 1613, she marries a guy. She She's co- like 14 in 1607-ish, like estimated. Yeah, thir- probably a yeah, 12 or 13. And then she's a child. She's a child. But around a little bit after she becomes an adult, like in Powhatan culture, once you're like you hit puberty, you're basically an adult. Well, in, I mean, in Europe, too, right? Sure. And um, you would start to be doing that. Like once you hit that age, you start doing the things that you're going to do as an adult. You're a woman, you're a farm, you're a man, you start hunting and fishing and fighting. And she got married at some point. Uh, in fact, the guy in the movie Pocahontas, the guy that is like the Indian dude that's into her, Kokuum, that's actually the guy she marries. So, oh, shit. So that was her actual husband. We don't know if she had children. Was Kokuum as as boring as he was in the movie? Well, she... she Kokuum's boring. I want a guy who's funny. Like John Smith. <laughs> John Smith. So she's uh while she gets married and then at some point she goes up to the Potomac River. She's hanging out with the the people who are living up there. We don't know what she was doing up there, but she uh when uh, Samuel Argyll, he goes up there and he's pretty friendly with the people, uh particularly the people who are far away from Powhatan. And he's trading with the Potomacs and when he when he's up there, he realizes, "Oh my god, pa- uh, Pocahontas is here." And he convinces the Potomacs to give him Pocahontas, he trades for her and takes her captive. Powhatan won't make peace with them. While in Senecoc, he's like, nah, I'm good. Yeah. You can have my daughter, whatever. I got like 50 other children. She's going to be taken to James Fort and um, a couple through a, about a year or so, she's anglicized. She's given uh, an English name. She's given that Christian dick. That Christian dick. Uh, her new her English name is Rebecca Rolf. Boo! What I, the I, I, fuck? Well, I shouldn't say Rolf. I spoiler. Her name is Rebecca. Um, and then uh, she's captured, anglicized. She's taught by this guy named John Rolf. And John Rolf had been on the Sea Venture. He was one of the guys who shipwrecked on Bermuda. Mm-hmm. And he had been married then. His wife was on the ship with him, but she dies. I think she dies on Bermuda. And he falls in love with <laughs> falls in love with Rebecca. 
and asks permission of Sir Thomas Gates for to marry her, and he gives him permission. And of course, why not? Of course, why not? And that will basically lead to the end of the war. They're married, and they broker a peace with Wahoon Sinecock. And so they're able to make peace with the Powhatans. And why they make peace is kind of interesting because, again, there had been a stalemate for a couple of years. There hadn't been any major fighting. But basically, the English realized that they didn't have enough resources to continue the war. They had been running out of money. And there was a uh, this, we mentioned the first two charters. There's another charter in 1612. And this charter is made partially to expand the colony because Bermuda will become part of the Virginia Company. And then also they start instituting lotteries to in, and to um, raise money. So people will like buy lottery tickets and that money will go to fund the Virginia Company because they just no one wants to invest in them anymore because they're like the lottery. Yeah, they're like no one will we're not making any money. We're not finding gold. So nobody, no real investors will give us money. So we'll just give, uh, institute these lotteries that people will buy lottery tickets for. And then we'll I wonder prizes. Like, yeah. I wonder like what the first lottery was probably not, not that, not that great. I mean, no, no, no. But, I, but like, yeah, like where did that idea come from? Cause it's so, uh, such yeah. a great idea to take money from poor people. And it worked. Yeah. Uh, and so it, that's that's part of the 1612 charter. And um, they they get married. and But the, the, the English and the Powhatans basically reached this point where each side couldn't beat the other. The English were so strong, particularly around Jamestown, that they couldn't be just driven out. And the Powhatans were still strong enough, particularly around uh, the area around the Pamunkey tribes where and the Pamunkey River, where they had enough people where they could still be you know give them a good fight and so both sides basically just came to the point where they couldn't wipe out the other so let's just call truce very vietnam war very vietnam and powhatan himself you know again we don't know i mean i mean at this point we he see he comes back we see him again for the first time and And those who don't study history channel are doomed to repeat history channel i know that's why we have so many I don't know truckers. that's not my joke I love that joke though but anyway so Powhatan and I think he, at that point he had just, he was just he's, an he's old, like old he's old he's, he's like 80 years old he's like I'm done even before the war starts uh, he talks to John Smith and he's like hey I've seen the the my people wiped out three times before oh my god he's like I he's like I've seen like horrible things happen and he says this kind of as a threat he's like you know you don't, you don't scare me you <laughs> <laughs> like I've seen my people be slaughtered before yeah. And uh, but he's also like I'm I'm a weary old man, and yeah. so they call a truce, and the marriage is kind of like this the seal on that, and it'll bring a period of peace for a couple of years. Let's move in. Let's talk about Pocahontas and John Rolfe. So John Rolfe again, he had come over on the Sea Venture, marries Pocahontas. He seems like an alright dude. He's an alright guy. He's he, he's really he's really uh, really Christian. He's like a real Puritan guy, <laughs> but. Um, he's, he's also an entrepreneur, you know, yep. he, a, he, a businessman. he, we don't know exactly, but he somehow got a hold of some tobacco seeds that were from, uh, one of the uh, tobacco that was being grown in the Caribbean. Did uh, they come down that way? No, they didn't. Yeah. Well, I, well, no, you're right. I, I don't know exactly how. So again, we don't know how he got these yeah. tobacco seeds. He might have smuggled them in illegally. Either he traded in England before he left, or maybe at some point he somehow comes across these tobacco seeds from Spanish colonies. 
and he starts experimenting and making these hybrids with... He's experimenting with tobacco. Yeah, he's doing a little <laughs> experimentation. Tobacco had been hugely popular in England. Uh, it was like a, you know, the gentleman loved smoking tobacco. King James did not. He thought tobacco was gross, and he didn't want Virginia to be become a tobacco colony. Because tobacco... King James isn't cool. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's lame. You know he, you know. Why don't you go back to chess club, nerd? Cigarettes are cool. Anyway, so they he starts experimenting, experimenting, and creates a tobacco hybrid that will grow in Virginia, and that I mean Virginia will become I mean eventually like the one of the biggest tobacco producers in the world. But um, he starts this in around 1614, 1615. And they start to realize, okay, this is how the colony is going to be successful. Like we can make money from tobacco because it's hugely popular in England and we can't get legal tobacco from Spain. So because there's an embargo. And they can't grow it in England. You can't grow it in England. Why is that? Uh, it's just the climate. And I mean. It, it, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you need like kind of hot, humid temperatures to grow tobacco. So I guess just in the summer they have a big enough window in Virginia because it's not that that much. Is it that much different? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean, it is much hotter and humid, I think. And okay. I mean, the the biggest tobacco spots in in North America, at least in the continental U.S., are Virginia and North Carolina. That'll become nice. like the huge. I mean, even today, North Carolina is still a huge tobacco grower. But they, um, it, it becomes the cash crop for Virginia, and it starts to, as people start to come over, they realize, okay, we can stop looking for gold. Let's start building tobacco plantations. And Rolf is, you know, basically the first of these guys. And after you're done with this podcast, just listen to our first podcast, Thomas Jefferson podcast, where we talk about how they would just like pay debts in tobacco. Yeah. So like Virginia, I mean, eventually, I mean, it is a cash crop. It is like their form of currency. Yeah. You would, you know, you instead of gold, you would pay for things in hogshead of tobacco. A hogshead was like the size of barrel. And you would, I mean, that was just what their currency was and because it was so valuable but there are negative repercussions from that again you know we talked about that in the jefferson episode and how much tobacco ruins the soil and all these guys would continually have to be buying land and getting new land because tobacco ruins the soil it robs nutrients so once you grow it for a few years you have to move on and as you start moving on you start uh, in the early history of the colony they start again, running into the the Indians. So before you have been just in Jamestown and they slowly start creeping up the peninsula, but as they grow tobacco, you have to expand further mm-hmm. and that's going to lead to more conflict. Yeah, but that's in the future. So in this period of peace after the first Anglo-Powhatan War, you start to see more people coming over to the colony. They're bringing over a lot of indentured servants. So people who couldn't afford to pay for their voyage over, but they need labor so if you sign a contract that says, hey, I'm going to work for a couple of years, you know, five years or so, uh, and then after die there. Oh, yeah, you're going to die. I mean, that's what <laughs> I mean. I'll work for five years and at the end of that five years, I'll get my own land and be able to start my own farm or whatever. But most of these people will die. I mean, the mortality rate is like, I mean, I don't know exactly, anyone, but it's probably like 50 percent. at least. Is there anyone that went over on that first trip with like. God's, uh, what's his name? Godsold, was it? Gosnold. Uh, Gosnold. With him and like that it was survived like to, to like pass. There's a few of them. Like Percy, Percy survives for a while. George Percy. That's great. He, he's one of the, the, uh, the original settlers. He survives. 
I mean, Newport survives as well. He dies um, basically the other side of the world. Yeah. Because he I leaves mean, the Virginia he's, company. Yeah, he's like back and forth, though. I'm talking about like who like <sighs> stayed there for years. Oh, the original settlers. I mean, Percy is, I think, as far as I know, one of the only ones. And some of them. What about some of the commoners? Do you think any of them? I mean, there's probably, ch- probably, I mean, probably not. Probably right? none of them. Yeah. I mean, if they survived, none of them really gained any position of prominence. So we don't know anything about them. Yeah. But anyway, so. That's going to happen. But again, John Rolfe, Rebecca Rolfe, they're married. They have a son, Thomas Rolfe. And uh, in 1616, they're going to go back to England. Hell yeah. Going to go check out the mother country, see what's going on over there. And it's basically a publicity tour. Uh, the Virginia company is like, hey, we ha- like this is like the this is like the success that the colonies had. We have successfully, you know, uh, we have civilized the savage woman. And this is an example of that. And yeah, I bet she was smoking hot. Probably. Actually, well, it's it's interesting because the the Powhatan women were, I mean, pretty sexually promiscuous, at least like definitely compared to like English people. So like, I mean, the titties were out. The titties were out. They, which is not a great thing. Not it would sound a great thing. I'm not saying it's not a great thing. I'm just well, I don't know. Do uh, I mean, I could get I get in trouble for this, <laughs> <laughs> but I I did a, I spent some time in Africa with the Maasai people. And titties be out over there. And uh, it really, uh, ru- like, it's just, uh, I don't know. You just see titties all day, and they're not special anymore. <laughs> you know what I, I don't know. I, I think for the English, it definitely would have been special. Because, I mean, they just, like, they never see titties. So, like. They never see. They're so and, sexually repressed. And they're so sexually repressed. And there are definitely examples of, like, them having sex with the native women. I mean, Smith probably did. And like a lot of them, when, when they would visit them, they, I mean, they basically talk about how their, the women would dance naked for them. And like, they would like, they, <laughs> it was a good time. Hey, yeah. They, they just get to the point before they start fucking. And then like, they stop talking about it. So yeah. like, it's obvious, like they're having relations with the people. And then they also describe that the, like the men were like very, willing to like like they just had a much more promiscuous society so like even like they're they weren't as monogamous as like the english at least pretended to be or whatever yeah and so there was that but at least physically uh the powhatan women were described as being very short and stocky and because of like the the amount of physical labor that they were doing they were very like muscular and built because i mean they're in the farms all day so they were probably like really short like stocky built women so I don't. I mean, you can just. I dig it. Maybe maybe they're hot. Maybe maybe they're not. But there is one. There's one image of Pocahontas. Uh, it was an engraving that was done of her in England, and that's like basically the only image we have of her. And that was when she was over there. And some people have like that's like the, the closest we can get to what she looked like. Is uh, the, okay. the, the not the painting, but the drawing they did of her in England. Um, but anyways, they're over there, you know, publicity tour. They're trying to get people to invest in the colony and basically convince people what we're doing is a good thing. And they meet, uh, they actually meet the King of England while they're over there. Pocahontas sees John Smith while she's over there. And that's kind of a funny encounter. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, he's been gone for, like, uh, you know, like, f- at least five years. I mean, almost ten years at that point. And you run into your ex. Yeah, and she's like, hey, what the fuck happened? You just left. And he's like, well, I got my dick and balls burned off. But she was basically angry because she felt that she he had betrayed Wahoon Senecock by, like, attacking all the 
the the Powhatan tribes. Is that what Pocahontas Two is about? I don't know. I never finished that movie. So, <laughs> but anyway, so she meets. She does see John Smith while she's over there. Uh, That's crazy. By that point, Smith is like trying to convince people to like start going over to uh, New England, the New England area, and he had tried to become part of the Mayflower voyage, but no one wanted him at that point. Really? Yeah. Oh, um, bummer. But anyways, too um, much of an alpha. Too much, yeah. He he. At this point, he's writing a lot of stuff in the sixteen by the sixteen twenties and the sixteen thirties. He he's basically the only one who survives, partially because he leaves. Uh, but he outlives most of the people, and he's gonna write um, a couple of books. Um, one of them is called A General History of Virginia and New England, and it, it's basically a lot of like the kind of mythical stuff coming from Jamestown comes from that writing. But he was you know selling books. And it was not uncommon for people to make up stories to sell books. Make it make it sound cool. Yeah, you know, just embellishing a little bit. But anyways, but while they're over there, Pocahontas dies. Like right before they're about to go back to England <sighs> or go back to Virginia, she dies there. Why? We don't know. She it, it, various theories are proposed, but she just dies of a disease. Oh. So she contracted some sort of illness while she was there, right as they're about to leave, and she dies at a Gravesend, England. That's where she's buried. So oh, she never goes man. back. Um, Rolf will go back. Uh, his son, uh, Thomas Rolf, actually stays in England. Um, and he's educated there. He goes back to Virginia eventually. Thomas Rolf? Yeah. Uh, so and he's, he's the son of the yeah. of Pocahontas and... John Rolf. Okay. So he's educated in England. He goes back to Virginia when he becomes an adult. But uh, John Rolf goes back immediately. How does Thomas Rolf do? He does all right. He actually meets um, Opie Cancano, his uncle, later when he goes back to Virginia. Um, and he's like... He he's kind of an interesting guy. We don't know if in, we don't know when he dies, but um, he, this is like super like scandalous. Like you could, yeah, it could be a like a Spanish novella. <laughs> but yeah, but he he's like I mean, kind of like an in between guy. Like he yeah. tries to go back to Virginia and like reconnect with his roots, but he's also like I mean, he's an Englishman by that point. I mean, he'd been raised in English culture. But anyway, so. Um, Couple, uh, we don't there's a few years like kind of in that period between 1614 um, and 1619 where there's not a lot being written partially because there's no conflict happening things are pretty going pretty well for the English they're starting to expand they're building these huge tobacco plantations along the James and the York River and while this is all happening obviously they're coming into conflict with the natives but no war has broken out but the the Powhatan's pretty much quickly realize that they're getting pushed away and that they need to start doing something. Eventually, Wahoon Sinecock dies, uh, I think in 1618 or 1619. It's a good life. Good life. He probably, I mean, he lived, you know, probably, he was probably at least in his 70s, if not 80s when he died. That's good. And um, his younger brother, a guy named Opa Chopham, uh, is the guy who officially takes over power, but... Um, and all, like the de facto ruler was Opie Cancano, his uh, slightly younger brother. And he's basically the military leader of the Powhatans. And Opie Cancano had always really distrusted the English, particularly after Smith had taken put a gun to his chest, put a gun to his chest <laughs> understandably. <laughs> and so he's going to start creating um, a plan to just drive out the English once and for all. And for a couple of years, he tries to basically create a huge general assault on all of the English settlements. It gets foiled a couple of times because some of the Indians like the English. And sometimes a couple of times they 
warn the English. Of the, yeah, they ran him out. And so they call the assault off and they're like, no, no, no. That guy was full of shit. You know, we we don't mind you guys. We're we're cool. We're cool. And but they're going to keep planning this assault. But that's going to come later. 1619. That's another major year in the colony's history. So this is 15 years after they got there. It's 15 years after they got there. They're still there. It's a, basically at this point, it's a tobacco colony. And 1619, things have improved. Is, do you know, is is Delaware there? No, Delaware left way before that. He left in like 16. Is Dale there? I think Dale's still there. I can, I'll look it up, but I'll figure out who, who's the governor at that point. So uh, Delaware, he's there until 1611, though he technically holds the title of governor until 1618. George, but, I mean that was that was the whole that was years for decades later the governor was in England. Yeah, and usually a lieutenant governor would have been in power. But uh, Percy is next. Dale, he's going to be governor for uh, for a little bit. Gates is actually governor again, and then it's Dale again. So it kind of keeps alternating. And then um, in sixteen sixteen, it's a guy named George Yard- uh, Yardley. Yardley or Yardley. Have you heard of him? I have heard of him. Okay. And he'll be governor a couple of times. I think he had been on uh, the Sea Venture. So he's one of those guys. He had been in the colony. Gotcha. He had been an officer um, under uh, Delaware. Argyll will be. Um, he gets a shot. He gets a shot for a little bit. And then it's Yardley again. Uh, so Yardley is. Uh, uh, George Orderly is governor in 1619. And the basically the year before, the Virginia Company at this point is, you know, again, they're kind of plagued with some kind of uh, some scandals. I mean, the, the 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 first war had been like a kind of a publicity disaster for them because they I mean, the colony had been going terribly and like the starving time and this really devastating like war where they're committing genocide against the Indians. And even the English people are kind of like horrified by what's going on over there. So eventually they're going to create a new charter because they're like, okay, we can't have this military dictatorship anymore. People, I mean, one, the people in Virginia don't like it and no one wants to go over there anymore. Yeah. And also the people in England just think it's horrible. So they create a new charter. Um, they're going to abolish the uh, martial law. Uh, and then they're going to create basically a governing body. And so the, the before the governor had basically absolute rule over the colony. Now they're going to have a governor, but they're also going to have a elected body of officials, which eventually will become known as the House of Burgesses. Yeah. And so TJ, TJ. And it's actually the oldest governing body in the United States. Hell yeah. And today it's called the Virginia General Assembly. But that gets its roots in 1619 from that the great the fourth charter, the great charter of the Virginia Company. And it basically it's two Burgesses or uh, representatives for each settlement in Virginia. So either a town or a plantation. And by that point, they had I mean, they're as far as Richmond, Virginia, down to Hampton, Virginia. And they had some settlements on the south side as well. So they had like been spread out pretty good amount by that point. And so each community would elect two representatives and they would go to Jamestown and they would be the governing council. And so that's the the roots of you know, elected representation in the United States comes from this governing council, which will become the House of Burgesses in the 1600s, later in the 1600s. But anyway, so that's a huge part of 1619. The other really big part of 1619 is it's the introduction of African slaves into the colony. Uh, and so this is the 400th anniversary of the first documented Africans in English America. Oh, man. Yeah. And um, they were brought, they had been, 
originally these Africans were captured in Angola um, in Africa. They were brought over by the, probably captured by the Spanish and then sold to the Dutch. And there's a Dutch, uh, there was a couple Dutch ships that were captured by the English in the Caribbean. And when they capture these ships, they you know they find that they're full of slaves, and they take them. Um, you're free. You're free. No, no, you're not. <laughs> um, but anyway, so they they take these captured ships. Some of them they sell in Bermuda. Uh, there's a guy. I think his name is John. Or wait, wait, is his name William Tucker or John Tucker? I think it's William Tucker. Anyways, um, they they sell some of them to the governor of Bermuda. Um, yeah, William Tucker. And um, anyways, a guy named Tucker. Uh, he is the the governor of Bermuda, and he basically forms a slave colony in Bermuda. And some of the most oh, oh boy, a lot of these slaves came from these uh, these ships. And then after they sell some of them in Bermuda, they head to Jamestown, and twenty African slaves are documented as coming into the colony in 1619. One of them, we actually know the name. Her name is, is a woman named Angela. And she obviously was not her original name, but it was the <laughs> uh, name that the Spanish had you given mean her. Angela and Rebecca were in? No, not, not original <laughs> names. But anyway, so that it's the introduction of slavery into the colony. Even though slavery won't really take hold for a few years, mostly because it's, it's cheaper to bring English indentured servants over um, to the colony. Eventually, slavery, I mean, African chattel slavery will take hold. But in those early years, most of the labor is still going to be indentured servitude. Why didn't they make Indian or like Native Americans? They did at some point. I mean, there are going to be some Indian slaves. Um, and a lot of the plantations didn't employ the Virginia Indians on them. Yeah. So but it partially just because they were they were too resistant. I mean, they were the native people and they were they didn't want to be conquered, so or they didn't want to be subjected, so it was easy just to like conquer and expel them. Gotcha. So 1619, a significant year in the history of the colony, the beginning of representative government, and the beginning of slavery in the Ooh. yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so couple and again, Opie Cancano during this time is planning this great assault um, that keeps getting foiled. But by 1622, he has finally decided to go through with it because he's like, we can't keep like putting up with the English expanding. If we don't do something now, like it's never going to happen. And the plan is partially ruined again um, by one of the chiefs on the, the Eastern shore of Virginia. He tells the English that they're the, the Powhatans are planning this great assault. Opie can't know, but they will go through with the plan and it's pretty successful. Uh, in 1622, they're going to launch what's called the, the, you know, the Indian massacre uh, or the, the great Indians, Indian assault of 1622. And they'll wipe out a third of the colony on one day. And most of them are going to, oh, wow. yeah, it is a huge, uh, it is really effective, at least in the short term. And particularly in the outline settlements, everything outside of Jamestown was just destroyed. So they just wipe out, uh, particularly around like Henrico, Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. And basically they just show up. They, they, these Indians, they come up to the settlements and they act like they just want to trade or they're just like, Hey, we're just visiting for the day. And then they get a signal. And then all of a sudden they just like start slaughtering everybody. And it's a, it's pretty effective. And basically Jamestown survives again, cause they had been given some prior knowledge of the assault and, they're still not really willing to have a direct assault on the fort itself. So everyone who survives basically just flees to Jamestown. And again, most of the colony does survive, but for a, a couple of years, they're able to 
stop the advance of you know the English settlement. Uh, and that's going to be a major thing. Eventually, I mean, they're going to go to war, and it's basically a war that is going to last for almost 10 years. But eventually, uh, after the end of that war, the Powhatans are expelled from the, the peninsula of Virginia for the most part. But for uh, that is uh, kind of the the last of the the major Powhatan resistance. Um, they'll keep uh, Obi Kankano. He survives uh, into the 1640s. Uh, and he, wow. He, so he's a he's a pretty old guy as well. Jesus. He probably outlived. He might have even outlived Wahoo and Senecock, but he actually fights another war in the 1640s. And there were some English people that estimated him to be about 90 or 100 years old. Oh, at my that God. Point. Yeah. And he um, he's captured in the third Anglo-Powhatan War and uh, executed by or not even really executed. Who but kills a hundred year old dude? Some, Eng- I mean, they they wasn't an official thing. It was basically just some English guy just shot him. Oh, okay. So it was, uh, it, I mean, it was a pretty horrible incident. But anyway, so, but the, the Indian assault of 1622 is the last, the really major Powhatan resistance. And, um, but after that point, you know, the English will again try to concentrate on trying to drive them out. And, but by 1625, the company is just, still plagued by scandal. I mean, they still have a really high mortality rate in the colony. <laughs> They're just horribly in debt. I mean, they've just been spending like money. And even though they made a lot of money from tobacco, they have never made a profit from the colony. Yeah. And so by 1625, Edwin Sands and Smith is, I think at that point he had already been uh, um, fired, but the, the Virginia company is basically their charter is revoked. And then it'll be officially taken over as an English royal colony. So 1625 is the end of the rule of the Virginia Company. Wow. And then from that point on, it'll remain an English royal colony. uh, And whoever the governor is, is appointed by the King of England. And it'll remain so until the beginning of the American Revolution. And Jamestown itself, it'll remain the capital of Virginia up until 1699, and it moves to Williamsburg. It'll stay there for about yeah, yeah good old good old Billburg. It'll stay there for about 80, uh, 80 years. When they build the school, the law school, William and Mary. That's I think in the around uh, that's 1693. I think. So before the capital. I yeah. So it's before Williamsburg became the capital, but William and Mary. Yeah, that's in the 1690s. I think I think 1693. But anyways. Um, even when Jamestown is still the capital, people were already moving away from it because it sucks. It it's sucks. Mosquitoes. It's mosquitoes. It's swampy. It's bad water, bad farmland. So people, most the largest settlements are usually around Richmond or Williamsburg or further up the peninsula anyways. So people have been like moving away from Jamestown over time. But by this uh, over time, again, just people start. It's the James City itself just kind of ceases to be. Uh, there are some farms and some plantations out there, even up you know into the 1800s. In the Civil War, it's actually going to be used. Basically, uh, the, the the Confederacy built a fort there called Fort Pocahontas. If you go to Jamestown today, you can actually still see the Confederate earthworks that were built there uh, during the Civil War. And for a long time, you know the 
the actual archaeological work and the history of the colony, they didn't really do a lot of major work until the 1990s. That's when they really started excavating Jamestown because they thought the colony was lost. Even the Civil War, they thought the original place of the fort was gone because uh, they thought that the land had been already washed away by the James River. Yeah. But in the the, ni- the 80s and 90s, there was a, a movement, particularly by a guy named uh, Bill Kelso. Uh, he's an archaeologist who started this uh, foundation, him and a couple other people. And they started doing archaeological research down there, and they found the original fort. Uh, almost most of it's still there. Um, a corner of it is in the James River, but most of the original fort is still on the, on land. And they were find, able to find, you know, the original, uh, the original site of the church and a lot of other stuff. And they've they've done a, a, some a, really good a archi- carved out half eaten skull. Yeah, I mean, they found that. I mean, ten years ago, they've a lot in. Uh, there's a magazine. I think it's just called Archaeology Magazine. Some of their biggest finds each year come from Jamestown, and that's all in the last like you know. 10 to 20 years or That's so. That's crazy. Yeah. So there's Is that guy still alive, Bill. Yeah, Bill Kelso. Yeah. He's a I've never met him personally, but um he's I mean, he's still down there. You can I mean they're still doing archaeological research down at Jamestown today. So you can if you if you go down to the historic Jamestown site, you know, most days they have research going on and they're still digging up stuff. So it's cool stuff they got going on down there. And but Bill Kelso, he's still around. He, you know, you can find interviews with him online and stuff. That's awesome. I was going to ask you this at the beginning, but I forgot to. What's your, uh, what's your emotion when you read a history? Do you get like what, like how do you feel about it? Well, I mean, with with this, like, Im- do you get emotional? I don't think I get emotional, but with Jamestown, it is weird because it is like a place I have really personal ties to. I uh-huh. mean, I didn't have any family that came over in Jamestown, but I'm from that region, and it's it's interesting to read about these places where I mean, I grew up. And like where my family still lives, yeah. Uh, so yeah, definitely, I do, I feel like I do have that personal connection. But no, I, I mean, it it does feel interesting to to be part of that America's first region. And I mean, I think you can you really can trace back a lot of the the origins of both our government and also the 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 way we expanded uh, to Jamestown. And I think a lot of the the problems in America and the the relations with the with Native Americans. Uh, you can really trace back to what's going on at Jamestown, but I'll, uh, so I, I, I do, you know, I, I, I do feel something when I, when I read about that kind of stuff. What about just like, so there's obviously we, and we talked about this before, like there's obviously something wrong about what they did. I, I, I mean, I, how do you even like think about that? Like, how do you even think about like colonization in the sense of, you know, that led, I mean, we're here because of that. Sure. I mean, that that's one thing. So I used to work at, not James, not at the historic site, but at the museum. It's a state-run museum called uh, Jamestown uh, Settlement, run by the Jamestown Yorktown Foundation. And when I worked there, I mean, one of the things I talked about was, you know, we're here today because of this place. Like, you know, as, as all, the, all the horrible things that came from it, you know, you, you could talk about you can talk about and I think it's important to be honest about that things but our country would not exist without Jamestown and without the uh the expulsion of the native people so I mean there it's a complicated thing to talk about and I think we we should get to the point where we can we can be honest and not just talk about these guys as heroes I mean I think that's part of the problem is that you lionize guys like John Smith and Newport and and all these people who are you know, I mean, there are some good qualities that they have, and and certainly what they did was impressive. I mean, they're going off into 
something that we could never i mean it's like going to mars yeah i mean absolutely it's it's just unimaginable the things that they went through but they also committed horrible acts of genocide and and treachery Uh and i think i mean but i think these are things that are definitely worth studying and um just definitely being honest about and i think one thing to note is that the the virginia indians are still there i mean there are still tribes in virginia a lot of them have in the last two to three years have received federal recognition i should think is it a kind of shitty that it took only so took long 400 yeah. only took 400 years because a lot of part of the problem was a lot of their treaties were with the english government so, oh it's uh 2019 right yep 2019 so it's it's 400 years of house of burgesses 400 years of the house of burgesses oh man the, Vir- they have the a, virginia general assembly you think they have a poster on the wall there i'm sure they got something going on nice. i mean six so 16 when i was living in virginia in, six, in 2007 that was the 400th anniversary of settlement i mean it was huge the queen of england came really yeah she's been there twice she came in 1957 so that was the 350th anniversary no way mm-hmm. That's crazy. Even in 1907, the 300th anniversary, it was a big deal. They had an exposition down there. I think President Theodore Roosevelt went down there in 1907. Okay. And in 57, Queen of England came. That was when when the, the, the museum uh, was established. It was called Jamestown Festival Park, and I think that was in the 350th anniversary. Yeah. But 2007 was like a huge year, and like President Bush came in too, and they had like a bunch of commemoration. That was like the... Uh, commemoration ceremonies and I think that was the highest year as far as visitorship to the museum was <laughs> but understandably but yeah but yeah 2000 I mean it was a huge 2007 was huge 2019 not as big but definitely I think historically a pretty significant year but what like what I learned from this book a lot was just how like the the Native Americans like they they're human beings like they are and in in the good and the bad where like sure. like Wahoon Senecock was like totally a conqueror and he wasn't like necessarily a great person or like he had this, you know, morale, like this moral, like, you know, uh, and it was just this one group and w- defeating this bad, uh, like this like bad group defeating a good group. It was a more advanced group defeating a less advanced group. And not to say that that, that like that mattered and like what that it should have happened. It absolutely like it did. I don't, I don't it, even know. Yeah. It's like, it, it's just, it did happen though. So like, yeah, it's like, we can't, I mean, we can say that it was wrong, but it happened. Well, what lessons do you learn from it? I mean, like if we, if, uh, if you know, if, well, the, I think the lessons if we're learned, running out of resources on earth and we go to another column, if we go to another planet and like, there's a uh, aliens there who have great resources. Do we like establish ourselves by force if need be? I mean, I think it seems or to be like we, some sort of human nature to like yeah. to do that. And it, it becomes a problem when you have two groups of people who are so different in their technology where one has <laughs> such a huge advantage. And I think a lot of people today really don't understand what you know, I mean, Native American culture. I mean, one, I mean, they're presented as some sort of monolith. I mean, these are very individual groups of people. You have small tribes and even within that i mean most of the i don't want to speak for them but to my understanding they don't a lot of historically they didn't necessarily think of themselves as like one group of people it's like i am uh i belong to this family of people yeah like i'm a small family living within this town and so partially because of that you you don't get a unified indian resistance against the english and that's partially part of their downfall is that they weren't always unified in defense against the english but no, I mean, they're, I think they're often misunderstood. I mean, of, you know, people often 
talk about them as being like, you know, environmentalists, but that's not even really true either. I mean, they were, they did a lot of things to shape the environment that obviously was much lower of impact than what the English and what, you know, later the Americans are going to do, but it's still, you know, they're, they're people. They're, they're, yeah, they're human beings. They're human beings who are expanding and exploiting the earth just to fit their needs at the time. And that's what I would say. So can I sh- shoot an alien? No. I mean, that's the thing. It's like you can't use that. You can't. <laughs> and what the English are doing is they're using the the Indians' lack of Christianity to justify them killing them. It was, and even in the beginning, it was not really a racial thing. Uh, that becomes, yeah, that becomes prevalent later. Even he, like that, like what I, I, I mean, I learned this recently too. Is like the African American, like the racism wasn't wasn't even that strong until after the Civil War. They're, they're well, yeah, I, but definitely before. I mean, obviously, before English colonization, there were a lot of people in Europe writing that the way that they these native people lived was the right way, that they had not been corrupted by society and that they were living in a more natural state, which is kind of it's not exactly true because they did have their own societies and they had their own way of living. And it was a little romanticized. Yeah, it was definitely romanticized. But the English were before they came to the new world. They weren't saying that these people were inferior they're just saying they had not been basically corrupted by this advanced society and they were living in this natural state and some people thought that maybe that was the better way to live but i mean eventually because of their so how would you do it like how would you do it like if you were in that time period and you were making decisions what would you do what i do and and you had i would have stayed in england (laughs) yeah but like let's say you're in charge of like they're like hey they want to we want to go over you know, like I think, I mean, you're, there, you're is, just doing what you have to do to survive. Um, and if you see these people as a hindrance to your survival, then I think, I mean, it becomes. I, I see the how it happened. I, I mean, I see the reasons why they start driving yeah, these yeah. people off, or how they start stealing from them or killing them. No, no, I mean, there's no, there's no debate that it's like wrong, mm-hmm. right, to do that. But at the same time, like. Have we, like have we learned from it enough? That oh no, like, we have not like, learned from it at all. We're <laughs> we're still. I mean, but I mean, like personally, like do you like if you were in that situation, could you just be like, uh, no? I mean, like, I, I think I would have been one of the. I mean, I don't know what, but I think I would have been one of those people who wanted to join them. Join the the Native Americans. Yeah, what, what they English no called the fuck, re, the, the renegades. Fuck you want it, dude? Uh, come dude, on, are you kidding me? Like what? Like get right? to have a, get to have an Indian wife. Eat some, as soon as like you start. Corn. The thing is, like, as soon as you start losing some of the the comforts that you experience today, oh well, me today, of course, but like, that's a, but, but for no, these no, 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 yeah, for these but, English people, they don't have comfort. No, no, but even that, even that, like, even like, even like, if you go to live like today, if you go to live in somewhere that doesn't have those, comforts, oh, okay, yeah, like yeah. you would be fucking, oh, of course, miserable. Yeah, yeah, I'm, and, I'm miserable if like my air conditioning is not <laughs> exactly. on. Exactly. So like back then, like you wouldn't do that. You wouldn't be like. Like if you were like relative comfort of like the European, but more but, but but the problem is like it depends on who you are. If you're like a commoner, your life is probably like you're making a la- at at, a at the move. worst. It's a lateral move because in living in England, you're living in like a small, probably a one room apartment. And people are sh- throwing shit out their windows. Like yeah, you shit yeah. in a pot and you throw it into the street <laughs> and like. Everything smelt. You're not bathing. Everything smells like shit. You're probably also malnourished. You can't find any work. Like I think right, that's that's a bad that's a bad example. But like, but you're, if you're, yeah, if you're John Smith or like Bartholomew Gosnold, yeah, of course your your goal is to establish yourself there and to like. Could you? What would you do if you were John Smith? 
<laughs> what would I do if I was John Smith? Yeah. I would try to... I mean, I'd probably end up doing mostly what John Smith did. <laughs> I mean, he's making decisions, I think, that make sense in a, in, a, in a vacuum, you know? Like, obviously, like, his planning isn't, like, a wall. But, like, you're not in a vacuum. Let's see, you have the knowledge now. It's oh, hard. Oh, yeah, it is hard. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I can't, I, can't, yeah, I can't make a decision. I'm just saying, like, I read that stuff, and I think about it all the time. I'm like, can I... Like, do we have we learned from it? Like, even me, well, like, and, and I'm saying, like, even even all the people who pretend like we've learned from genocide and all that stuff, like, could we forgo our we, own yeah. survival? Or like, the problem is, like, there are even with Smith, there's forces beyond his control. Of course, of there's course. like he's, but we're all we all have forces beyond our control. Exactly. So like, it's like we're what are the what is the impact of what impact does an individual have? And like, I mean, that's an interesting question in and of itself. But like. For them, I mean, it was a little easier for one person to like make a, uh, especially if you're so far removed from the company. The company is what's ultimately making the decisions. Yeah. But if you're hundreds of miles away from that and isolated in the wilderness, you do have a slightly more autonomy. But, you know, even Smith didn't have complete control of what was going on. But no, like, uh, yeah, what John Smith probably, I mean, one of, why do we remember him? Because, one, he wrote things down. I think that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. But also, I mean... He, Which, it's a lot of history. It is a lot of history. Who it, wrote things down. Who wrote things down. And that's a huge factor. But, I mean, he is also the guy who kept the colony alive for a period of about six months. And through his actions, they were able to stay afloat. Yeah. And maybe he could have made better decisions. And maybe there were think mistakes he made along the way. But without him, the colony probably would have floundered and they would have given up and... Who knows what would happen after yeah. that? All right. My name is Joe Barton. Excuse me, history does not support genocide. And uh, I'm Rob Rigo. What's our next episode, Joe? I don't know. What is our next episode? What are we, we going to talk about? It's going to be about history. History.